Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn related show on the planet Earth, the John Campy Show, coming to you from right here on my YouTube channel. I am, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, <laughs> as it is always, as you can trust the sun to rise and Rob won't mute his computer, to have you, our international <laughs> friends, joining us here today as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV, streaming, and all sorts of good uh. stuff. And sitting over here, if we can get his attention for a moment, Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Robert, how are you doing today? You son? know, I was giving you an intro, musical intro. Yeah, it's that's the thing. Works. That's what it was. Um, it's good to be here. Uh, Thursday, I'm excited. We got a lot of good topics today that I uh, am am excited to cover. By the way, uh, you've already been very helpful today. Uh, I, I got a, a new desk toy that I've been eyeballing this one for a while. This Deadpool, Dude. this one quarter scale Deadpool on a Vespa, with uh, you can't see it on camera. He's got a little little cable toy doll hanging off his thing there, <laughs> and uh, and you put this together for you, me. You time. know when when it was kind of like going into a a, a happy ending massage parlor when you said to me. <laughs> Would you please put this together for me? And I'm like, can I do that? I never Is that how they ask you? ever again want to be involved in any analogy you have about a massage parlor. <laughs> I've never just, actually just been to a massage Just leave me parlor. out of any analogy you <laughs> but, have. But I mean, let me just say it gave me a lot of joy to put that together. For yeah, you. I don't want to hear about your joy now. <laughs> I was I was all in a good mood till now. Sitting <laughs> beside him, Chris Carr. Chris, how you doing? I'm good. I'm starting strong today. <laughs> Now, of course, back here joining you guys in the live chat. He'll be in there chatting it up with you guys. Ray Ora is there. Ray, how you doing? You know, I I got a surprise for you guys. Uh-oh. What? what? I got some gifts from you for you guys. Oh, I forgot Look, about that. We went to Shogun last night. We <gasps> saw Chef Rigo, and he gave us gifts, and those are yours right behind your laptops. Pull them out. Oh, yeah, reach behind your laptops. Reach behind reach your behind laptops. You, you, get a chest you get No, reach behind your laptops. Yes. Open them up. Uh, open them up. Oh. Those are special from Chef oh, Rico. Chef Rico the restaurant oh. gave you guys lightsaber, lightsaber, lightsaber chopsticks, and these match my eyes. Oh, there you go. By I think way, that's what he was going. Chef wow. Rico, Chef Rico is the real deal. This guy can cook. Yeah, he, he cooked us up a magic. storm last night. It he was did this delicious. magic trick that I. I've never seen before at one of those places. Oh, the, the, egg the eggs. The egg trick. Yeah. I was like, that's wow, crazy. That's but yeah. These are so cool. And uh, also, by the way, guys, sitting behind the control panel there, you can't see him, but you can hear him. Uh, Jonathan Voiko is running the show today. Jonathan. I'm here. Happy Thursday, everybody. And uh, yeah, and happy Thursday to all. And guys, here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to break it up into two parts. In the first half of the show, we're going to talk about some predetermined topics. Then in the second half of the show, we're going to take your live comments and questions. If you'd like to get a live comment or question on the show, number one, you got to be watching the show live. Uh, but then once we get near the end of the main topics today, I will announce that we are opening up the Super Chats. And once we open up the Super Chats, you guys can fire in your comments, questions, thoughts, observations, theories, whatever that you'd like to send in, and we will read those off. But be ready to put them in because we generally only keep them open for about one and a half to two minutes or so. So be ready to fire those in then. Okay, guys. With all that down, let's get things started today. And we're going to start with an off the top. And that off the top is this. I am um, unique among my friends that uh, I don't like the Resident Evil franchise at all. <gasps> I think they all kind of suck. Well, wait, what? do you mean the games or the No, movies? I mean the movies. Okay. Really, not the then. games. Not the games. Yeah. yeah. I I'm just not big on the movies. And I know a lot of my friends really like the movies a lot. I not so big. So it was kind of interesting when I heard that Netflix was going to be doing a Resident Evil series. Mm. And today, 
they dropped the first teaser trailer for that series. Uh, this is the way it's described uh, over by the folks at CBR. They wrote the following. They wrote, Netflix revealed uh, fans' first look at the upcoming live-action Resident Evil series. While the brief teaser trailer doesn't provide much in terms of the show's plot, the footage sets up a grim world overrun by another virus seemingly developed by the sinister Umbrella Corporation. Haven't heard that seven times before. Uh, longtime video game antagonist Albert Wesker, uh, played by Lance Reddick, is shown to be experimenting on a rat with, uh, with what appears to be the blood of his own daughters, Billy and Jade. The trailer also teases a time jump as the characters try to survive in a post-apocalyptic wasteland amid swarms of humanoid zombies and plenty of grotesque creatures. So there you go. All right. First of all, I felt like I just read the synopsis of every Resident Evil thing you could have ever done <laughs> ever. But I kind of liked the trailer. Mm. I kind of liked it. It wasn't bad. Oh, am I, am I off center here, Jonathan? There we go. It wasn't bad. It, it, you know what? Look, I, I'm not a fan of the series, and I'm not even counting on liking the show. But I'll tell you what. I got to call it as I see it. I watched that trailer, and I would be lying to you if I didn't find it to be kind of exciting, kind of intriguing, a little bit of a you know WTF moments in there. I love Lance. And, you, and the time jump I found interesting. The flare shot goes off in the air, and you see the swarms of zombies and whatever. And look, look. I don't like this series, but that was a good trailer. And I'm at least right now, at least a little bit intrigued to check it out. So like I said, I got to call it a see it. Rob, you had a chance to check out this trailer. What do you think about it? Well, like you, I mean, look, I, I've enjoyed the movies sort of hit and miss. You know, they, I remember seeing the first one thinking it was bad, you know, but they're certainly not high art, John. I, I would not put them, <laughs> uh, and, and, they're, but they're kind of a heady combination of science fiction and horror and, some of them are more fun than others, but you know, um, this trailer looks pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I looked at it and like, that's fun. I'll watch that. It, it looks, I, you know, the, the problem that I have with, with the umbrella corporation and then suddenly the world has been taken over. They, they just don't do a very good job of protecting their own assets. Yeah. You know? No, I'm not quite sure why they keep getting their license renewed. To be honest with you, you know, nothing good seems to come out the of the better Umbrella Corporation. business bureau needs a phone call. That's right. Uh, yeah, Chris, do. actually, I, I don't think we've ever talked about Resident Evil. Mm -hmm. So, like, what do you think? Of, what's your thoughts on the Resident Evil franchise as a whole? And what did you think about the trailer? I mean, as you know, as a deep, deep love of horror and everything <laughs> like that, uh, they're usually not my bag. I do love a good zombie property, though, and they just have not been that for me. Um, that being said, I do think this looks really, really fun. Um, if you go to umbrellaisjoy.com too, it's a umbrella website that dissolves into teaser trailer number two. And you get Ooh. a little more of the plot in there about, you know, this uh, product joy that's supposed to help as an antidepressant. You see a few more monsters and things like that. It's real creepy because they've got that song. I've got joy, 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 joy down in my heart playing in the background, which like when you have like little kids or bears or anything singing and then you've got wicked violence happening, I'm kind of in. I'm a sucker for that kind of juxtaposition. So. Is it just that, the way you just described that, mm -hmm. that sounds kind of similar. Do you remember the movie, the, the Firefly movie, Serenity? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where the government gave this one world this drug that was helped help them keep calm and feel satisfied, blah, 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 but it turned them all into, mm -hmm. I think that's what created the their, the ravage and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Sounds a little similar to that. Right, but, which I enjoyed that. Yeah, so. so that could work. Now, Ray... I am I am curious because I did notice uh yeah you know, an uncomfortable lack of a moon in in this trailer but you saw the trailer what do you think of it 
it didn't do much. I mean, the second one that Chris pointed out was better, but I thought it was going to be a movie. I'm down for like a one a, an hour and a half, two hour zombie movie, but a series, I don't think I'll be following it. I just don't. It's just not my thing. Like Walking Dead, I watched a couple of epi episodes and then I was out. So, but I think the teddy bear part, are they trying to like play into the Five Nights at Freddy's thing? You know, I doubt with a it. cute little. By cute the way, little, where is that movie? They announced know. that one 17 but, years yeah. ago. That's so. what it reminded me of when I saw that bear. I was like, mm -hmm. oh, Five Nights at Freddy's. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, but I guess it's a, an okay trailer. If you ask about the trailer, it's okay, but I'm not going to be following this. Yeah, I didn't think it really looked like, like, like it looked like your bag sort of thing. Anyway, guys, question is for you. Did you have a chance to check out this trailer for the new Resident Evil Netflix franchise? As somebody who doesn't like the franchise, I got to say, I thought the trailer's pretty good. What did you guys think about it? Jump down into the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. Okay, guys. With that down, let's get into our main topics here today. And how do we select our main topics on the John Cabe Show? It's really rather simple. You see, you guys come up with them. Whenever you come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel needs to be a part of The John Campia Show, just go anytime 24-7 over to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on The John Campia Show. With that down, Chris. What is our first main topic today? Our first topic comes from TC Trillsbeats. Hey, John, Rob, Chris, and Ray, I hope each of your mornings are going great. I noticed last night IGN put out an interesting article about a recent New York Times interview. In the interview, Elizabeth Olsen voiced her frustration about, quote, lost opportunities in her role as the Scarlet Witch, stating she blames the MCU. Do you think her feelings toward the MCU will deter her from ever returning as Wanda? Thanks for all you guys do. All right, thanks for sending that in, TC. Look, it's not uncommon to hear about certain actors or performers turning down certain franchise roles because of a long-term commitment. One of the most notable ones, of course, was that Joaquin Phoenix was lined up to play Doctor Strange. However, they could not come to terms with the fact that Marvel wanted a multi-film deal and Joaquin Phoenix was not interested in that and they couldn't overcome that and eventually you know it all worked out great Joaquin went on to play the Joker won an Academy Award mm -hmm. Doctor Strange got played by Benedict Cumberbatch and he's great in it so everything worked out but still we I think in the fan community and I include myself in this we take for granted sometimes that we just think well who wouldn't want to be in a Marvel movie you'd be the world's most popular films some big paydays maybe not as big as we think sometimes but some big paydays all that kind of stuff but we do forget that if you, there is a certain rule in thermodynamics that says you can't be in two places at once. And if you are doing one thing, that means you're choosing not to do another. If you choose to date Katie, you cannot also date Sherry. Unless you got some acrobatics you can do, I'm not sure. But you can, if you choose the one thing, you're actively choosing not to do another. And by being in the MCU and the long commitment that Elizabeth Olsen made, that means... There were probably some projects that she as an actress would have loved to have done and been passionate about, but just couldn't do it. This comes to us from the folks over at Variety who write about this in the following. And, and Elizabeth Olsen is talking about, she says, playing the, the Scarlet Witch and playing Wanda in the MCU, it took me away 
uh, from the physical ability to do certain jobs that I thought were more aligned with the things I enjoyed as an audience member, Olson said. And this is me being the most honest. Also, uh, Olson said at the Duville American Film Festival in 2015, losing out on the lobster roll was a heartbreak was heartbreaking, adding, I was in contention for uh, I was I was <laughs> let me try this again. I was in a contract for Marvel that I could not get out of. So that didn't work out. I started to feel frustrated. Olson told the Times about losing interest in roles because of the MCU. I had this job security, but I was losing these pieces that I felt were more a part of my being. And the further I got away from that, the less I became considered for it. So she's talking about something that I've talked to many actors about, which is when you don't do certain roles, then eventually interest in you for those roles starts to go down. I remember I was talking, I went and had coffee one time with this actor whose name you would know. And he was talking to me about, you know, after I broke out in X movie, I decided to turn down these hyper popular, just big box office kind of movies. But he said that was a mistake because after a couple of years, the big box office movies didn't come knocking on my door anymore. And that started to happen. And what Elizabeth Olsen is kind of mentioning here is that there are these roles I really wanted. I couldn't take them because of my commitment to the MCU. And eventually I just stopped getting phone calls for these roles that I really wanted. And that's kind of sad, but she can wipe her eyes with thousand dollar bills. I mean, she's doing all right. And by the way, lest we think that Elizabeth Olsen is sounding ungrateful, she goes on to talk about, hey, you know what? Then I got really featured prominently in WandaVision. I got Emmy nominations. Like she's perfectly happy. But Rob, I think it's interesting that we hear from these performers and say, yeah, like we just see, wow, you're in the MCU, blah, blah. But these are huge commitments. That means that as an artist, there are pieces that you would die to be a part of that Marvel will not let you be a part of because of your time commitments. And that's that's understandable on Marvel's part, too. So it just kind of shows an interesting different side. You heard Elizabeth Olsen's words. What do you make of them? Well, you know, John, I mean, I think that we all want to do when we're when we're creating things. We like new challenges. We like to do different things. And basically, Wanda Maximoff is a certain character that only has a certain limited range because of who she is and what she is and how she is. And, you know, Elizabeth Olsen did WandaVision, which was probably, that was a big commitment, and jumped probably right into Doctor Strange soon after. Right. So you only got a finite time to walk the earth. And she was a, probably a year, year and a half, two years of her life dedicated just to playing WandaVision in those two things. Not able to, and that was, some of it was during the pandemic. So, I mean, like, I remember seeing her with Jeremy Renner and Wind River. You know, I thought she was, she's so good in she's that. She's so good in that. And and I think that, of course, she wants to play different things. I mean, it's not like Wanda's the most nuanced of characters. She's really she finds a way to make it yeah. that a little bit. A- absolutely. Yeah. She does a phenomenal job. I think she's a terrific actress. But, you know, I I first saw her in Marcy, May, Martha. Yep, that's the one where, where everybody first really took notice. Yeah, of her. And yeah. I'm like, this this girl is a tremendous actress. She has a lot. I mean, I, I could see her winning an Oscar, but she's not going to win an Oscar in an MCU movie. And I think I don't think that's necessarily. I'm not saying that that's what her end all be all is, but actors want they're actors, so they want to have a diversity of roles. And I'm sure she's very grateful because she's got a worldwide fan base now. She was nominated for an Emmy for uh, WandaVision. WandaVision, and she was terrific. And I think that now she's in a position. I bet you she made a deal and said, "Look, kill me off for a while. 
<laughs> let, let me let me let me branch out. You don't need me until there's going to be another Avengers movie after Doctor Strange. So she'll. I bet you she's going to have a number of projects lined up, and we're going to see some exciting things from her. Chris, you hear about this? I mean, I guess we also got to take in consideration that Elizabeth Olsen, and on her own, has a lot of money. Her family has even more money. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I remember some of this conversation with some people the other day because we saw a picture was posted up of Elizabeth Olsen with her two sisters that said uh, it's Scarlet Witch and her variants. But and people <laughs> saying, ah, yeah, nobody even cares about her sisters anymore. It's like, you do realize they're worth about 10 times yeah, what she is, right? they have right? an empire. <laughs> they have yes. an empire. But anyway, tons of money, all that stuff in the mm -hmm. world. Rob, you brought up Oscars, right? When you are an actress like her, who is recognized as being really damn good, mm -hmm. and you've got the money, and you've got the fame... I think she is thinking Oscars at this point. She Now she's thinking, leg at her young age, yeah. she's already thinking legacy. You hear what she's saying mm -hmm. here. I mean, obviously, as an actor and a performer, what a nice problem to have. But, right? <laughs> but what do you think about her comments? Well, I mean, you do have to remember, too, that she is an actor's actor, right? She yeah. went to NYU's Tisch School. She went to the Moscow Art Theater School as well. She is a very intense performer. And so I can understand this. And when you compare it to... Other people's comments, right? When people in the past, we've we've talked about this with other actors who seem incredibly ungrateful and dismissive of being part of a show that gets renewed or something like that. But when you get that context of, yeah, this was frustrating to me, but then I got these other things and I found the joy in it. It's much like what uh, Chris Hemsworth has said about Thor, right? Yeah. I lost interest and then Taika Waititi came in and reignited my interest in this character and this love of this character. WandaVision allowed her to explore so much nuance within Wanda Maximoff and allowed her to just stretch her acting muscles and show us she's capable of so many different kind of genre films as well. You look at her IMDb as well. She's done things like Ingrid Goes West. You know, she's yeah. she picked Which is out, a weird one for it's her, a actually. Weird one and it's real fun. <laughs> she's great as Taylor. Um, but, you know, she she picks these indie films that where she just connects with story and character. And I think that's what she's kind of missing here. And I do think she's focused on legacy. And I think she's definitely going to get several nominations and probably some wins under her belt, too. Because here's the scary actress. thing about her. She's only getting better. Yep. Like yeah. every time I see her, she's just better than she was before. And she's still real young. Oh, yeah. So it's going to be kind of crazy how good she actually becomes. Anyway, guys, the question is for you. What do you think about Elizabeth Olsen's comments here? Just reminding us all. It's like, yeah, there's all this great stuff. But that comes at the expense of other things, even for somebody like her. What are your thoughts on what she said? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Now, while Elizabeth Olsen is clearly hungry for some Oscars, we all get hungry. And who's coming to our rescue but the sponsor of today's episode of The John Capia Show, one of my favorites, HelloFresh. Hey guys, we want to take a moment and thank a sponsor of today's video, HelloFresh. So guys, look, my wife Ann and I were both working professionals, so we know how tricky, difficult, and time-consuming it can be to try to eat properly and prepare your own meals at home. And that's why, like over a year ago, we started using HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. I mean, you skip the trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and probably most importantly, affordable. HelloFresh offers the flexibility you need to easily customize your orders online or right in the app. Easily change your delivery day, food preferences, and plan size, or skip a week whenever you need to. 
HelloFresh is 72% cheaper than a restaurant meal of the exact same quality. And you can save on average over $65 a month when you order HelloFresh instead of going grocery shopping. So guys, I'm telling you, whether you are single or have a family, you are going to love HelloFresh. So go to HelloFresh.com slash Campia16 and use the promo code Campia16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That's again, HelloFresh.com slash Campia16 and use that promo code Campia16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. And a big thank you to our friends at HelloFresh for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. Remember, guys, when you support our sponsors, you're actually supporting our show. So go on down in the description. You'll see links to all the links and the promo codes for our sponsors. Go and use them there because, once again, you're supporting our show. All right. With that down, let's move on to main topic number two. Chris, what is our second main topic today? This one comes from Alton Wang. I know you do not like a speculation, but there are rumors that Dwayne The Rock Johnson will replace Will Smith as the genie in Aladdin. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that this is because of Will Smith's audition for slapstick comedy on the Oscars. What do you think about the rumors? Are you excited? Slapstick comedy. Um, All right. Thank you for sending that in, man. All right. Look, let's go back a couple of years. And there was an announcement that came out, unsurprisingly, because Disney had been in kind of the mode of doing a lot of animated to live action transitions, right? And we heard they were going to do Aladdin, to which a lot of people said, how on earth can you do Aladdin without Robin Williams? And then a bigger head scratcher to me, when they went out and hired Guy Ritchie to direct it. Now, you got to understand, I'm a massive Guy Ritchie fan. Snatch is actually a top 20 all time. Top 20 all-time favorite film of mine. I love that. Lock, stock, and two smoking barrels. I mean, I just think the guy is great, but I thought Aladdin? Guy Ritchie doing Aladdin. And then they hired Will Smith, to which a lot of us, including me, kind of at first were like, that's interesting. The more I thought about it, though, the more it kind of started to work for me because I thought, you know, you need to get somebody who is not like Robin Williams But like Robin Williams has a larger-than-life kind of personality. And Will Smith, at the time, slapstick comedy notwithstanding, I thought he fit the bill. Anyway, the the movie came out, and I'll tell you straight up, Aladdin is wonderful. I I just can't believe how, like, Anne and I actually ended up going to the movies three nights in a row just to watch Aladdin. Because every time we watch it, we came out smiling and grinning and singing the songs and stuff. It's just a delightful, wonderful movie. Then the Oscars happened. And what do you do? And because they announced a while ago they wanted to do a Aladdin part two. So what do you do about it? Well, according to some reports going out there, you go and get Dwayne The Rock Johnson. This comes to us from Inside the Magic, uh, who write the following. Several outlets are reporting Dwayne Johnson could take over the role as Genie in the sequel. Genie, originally played by Robin Williams in the animated film, has been one of the most beloved characters in the world of Disney for 30 years. Absolutely. Several Will Smith projects have been canceled or postponed since the incident at the Oscars, and Disney has not provided an official update to offer any clarity on if he will remain in the role or if the rumors of a replacement could be true. At Universal Orlando, Smith is still the narrator on the beloved attraction Men in Black, Alien Attack. Since the incident at the Oscars, however, many fans have said the attraction, quote-unquote, just isn't the same. And that comes to us from inside the magic. All right. So there are questions 
built upon questions, built upon other questions here. Question number one, is Disney still moving ahead with an Aladdin 2? Question two, if they do, are they going to do it with Will Smith? Question three coming from these reports is, if they don't do it with Will Smith, will it be with Dwayne The Rock Johnson? All right. No chance in hell. No chance in hell. Uh, Look, if you want to do an Aladdin 2, Let's let's skip the first two questions for now. Go right to the third. Do you replace Will Smith with Dwayne The Rock Johnson? I don't believe it for a second. It's not impossible. We've seen stranger things happen. Mm -hmm. Again, we live in a world where Jamie Foxx came back to play Electro again. In that world, anything can happen. So I'll say that anything can happen. But I don't buy this for a second. First of all, the reports are all coming from... Gus's gas station movie reviews dot fart websites. I mean, it's so talented. They, they get all the scoops. Don't you know? So I I don't really believe it on that level. Like again, tomorrow, if deadline starts writing about this or variety starts, okay, then we got to pay more attention to it. But, but here's the other thing. You've already done the first Aladdin live action. You've already done the first live action. Aladdin. Dwayne, the rock Johnson cannot be that genie. Dwayne The Rock Johnson is a good performer. He's got charisma for days. Unfortunately for Disney, Will Smith kind of set a bar and a template for this Aladdin. Now you can say, yeah, but you know, he wasn't Robin Williams. Yeah, yeah, but that was an animated decades ago. This is a sequel to an already live action thing. And with all the things that Dwayne The Rock Johnson can do, he cannot be Will Smith's genie. He can't. And that's not a knock on his talent. You know, uh, Anthony Hopkins cannot be Will Smith's genie. Okay. It's just, it is just not a fit. It does not work. And as much as I love Dwayne, the rock Johnson, it doesn't. Now some people may say, well, you know, John Moana, huh? Okay. Okay. Yeah. And that was great. I loved him in that. I really, really did. But I just can't see him being Will Smith's genie. That is not a fit for me. I don't know. Chris, you hear the rumors. First up, do you believe that they're actually looking at Dwayne The Rock Johnson to replace Will Smith? Um, And if not, what kind of context could exist where maybe it could be believable? I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I don't believe it at all. As much as I would love a moment of call me Al, it doesn't matter what your name is. <laughs> like, that would be fantastic. Uh, I, I just don't see him doing this Disney property. I don't feel like that is in line with The Rock's trajectory right now. I don't think he sees himself as a substitution. Right? Yeah. And that's a big part of this. You did bring up, though, somebody who I went, oh, that would have been great casting when you brought up Jamie Foxx's Electra. I went, oh, he would have been a great genie because that genie could have sang. That genie would have had a great singing voice. Yeah, that genie could have worked. I could see something like that. I really just don't see Dwayne taking up someone else's role, especially when it's filling in a spot because of some uh, controversy. You know, I I don't think that is something that he would do. I don't think that's something that his team would want him to do either. He has a very, very clear image of himself, his work and his work ethic. He'd hold out for a different Disney property. And would he want to put himself in a position where he's going to be compared? By the way, I love that image, Ray. (laughs) Yeah, good job, Ray. Ray made this image. Would he want to be compared? Does he want to come out and then all of a sudden have fans comparing him to Will Smith's genie? And I don't think that's ideal. Chad, I know he did Jungle Cruise. I'm saying like if he does another Disney property. Yeah, but he wasn't taking over somebody else's role. Yeah, he's not taking someone else's spot. He was creating a role. Exactly. Rob, I don't know. What, what What do you think about this whole thing? Well, the thing is, 
the the comedy of the genie, the fun of the genie, is not easy to do. You know, and and while Dwayne Johnson is a great performer and he is a deft comedian, I think the way words are used in the character of the genie is not easy to do. I could see Jamie Foxx take over the role before I could see Dwayne Johnson, only because the the delivery, the genie's delivery, is so important to that character. I don't think Dwayne yeah. could pull it off. There's like a in, small yeah. nature. There's an impishness to yeah, it. Yes, and you know, Will Smith... He has a background. I mean, learning comedy on a sitcom is one of the best way when you you were recording in front of a live audience. Yep. And, you know, Dwayne's comedy comes out of the wrestling. And yeah. What he's okay. done. He's not this. He doesn't. He is not impish. Mm -hmm. he does well, not now, wait a, a minute. Did you not see the tooth fairy? <laughs> I, I'm just I'm just saying, you I know, did, I think and you're selling a little short. Uh, yeah. I mean. I, I just don't think I, I don't think it's it's him. And like you guys have pointed out, I don't think Dwayne does the seconds thing. Mm -mm. He he he's a star. He doesn't take over a role. He makes a role. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, although I gotta say, I would watch I would watch that movie if Dwayne. If, <laughs> oh yeah. If Dwayne's no it out for sure. I mean, I would check it out. Like I would be like I would be dubious and skeptical and all that, but I would go. Yeah. Because if nothing else. He would give it a hundred percent. Absolutely, he might fail, or he might do do he might do the role in a different. If they made his genie different, like more tailored to his skills, yeah. But I just don't. I don't think it, he wouldn't. I don't think he walks into roles. That's the thing that would keep me from believing it is that he doesn't. Unless they backed up the Brinks truck five or six times to his house, you know, maybe which they have done in the past. Yeah, uh, Ray, you got background on this. Like, what do you think about it? It doesn't matter what you think. Sorry, I had to do that. I, ha I just, I, I'm embarrassed. I, I'm, I'm sorry about that. I should have done that. What? He's already sleeping. I was gonna say, I think Mike Tyson should be Gene. <laughs> Wouldn't it just be a corn. I mean, if it was like, Mike um, who, who I, I'd watch that too. I'd watch that too. Who, who was the movie studio that we worked next to? The Asylum. 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 Oh. If they were doing this. I would pick Mike Tyson for sure. It would just be funny because he'd be like a mean, then nice genie. <laughs> like in real life, mean and then nice. But, you know, that's my pick. Rolando in the chat thinks it should be you, Ray. Oh, yeah. Ray is the genie. Ray is the genie. I can see it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Question is for you. What do you think about this rumor going around that Disney is looking at Dwayne The Rock Johnson to replace Will Smith. I think it's pure fantasy and fairy tale, but again, stranger things have happened. I don't know. Could you see a way that it could possibly work? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's do a impromptu off the top. This is breaking news. Breaking news here, guys. Okay, a little bit of context. Denis Villeneuve, good Canadian kid, probably the hottest director in the world right now, of course, came out with Dune that led the pack with the, I believe it was most Oscar wins this year. How many did it win? Six? I think six. Six think so. Oscars led all other films with the amount of wins. It had like 11 nominations. Fabulous film. There's loved six. it. They should yeah. have shot them back to back so we wouldn't have to wait so long for Agreed. part two. But there were a couple of big roles still to be filled. One, of course, was the Emperor's Daughter, who... who Princess Ireland went to Florence Pugh. Florence mm -hmm. Pugh, who, of course, is maybe the hottest star in the world right now, which is kind of crazy. And then on top of that, well, the emperor. The Padishah Emperor Shaddam IV of House Carino. That's exactly what I was going to say. 
So <laughs> that's well done. So who's going to play the emperor? Well, a name just came out that it's actually kind of great. It's being reported by Deadline that Dune Part 2 has cast Christopher Walken to play the Emperor uh, for Warner Brothers. This is what they're saying on their site. They're saying Denis Villeneuve is adding another high-profile talent to an already loaded cast. As sources tell Deadline, Christopher Walken is set to play the Emperor in Warner Brothers and Legendary's Dune Part 2. Walken joins the all-star ensemble that includes Timothy Chalamet, Rebecca Ferguson, Zendaya, and Josh Brolin, who are expected to reprise their roles. Uh, as well, Florence Pugh and Austin Butler, who might be the hottest star in the world after Elvis comes out, mm-hmm. uh, who were who were also recently announced. Villeneuve is back to write, direct, and produce. So listen, I, I just want to go quickly right over to you on this, Rob, because nobody knows this character better than in this room than any better than you do you hear christopher walken's been cast to play the role what do you think well i love christopher walken i mean the first time i ever was really aware of him my mom took me to see the deer hunter oh wow Uh, you know yeah and and she didn't know (laughs) i've never heard that sentence my mom took me to see deer hunter let me never tell you it was crazy it was a it was for me it was a transformative experience but that's that's the second time i've heard someone say that it was Quentin Tarantino was talking to uh, Mark Marin on my way uh, on the uh, on the podcast I was listening to today. His mom took him to see that too. So this is the second time in the same day I've heard someone say that. I've never heard it once. I think my mom had no idea what the movie was about. You know, and if you haven't seen it, Christopher Walken plays Russian roulette in that movie, and it is harrowing. And a, a little, I should not have seen it. It was one of those scarring things I've ever seen. But I still thought he was an incredible actor, even though I was what. 11 when i saw the movie but he's an incredible performer i mean he's been so good in so many movies he was in a science fiction movie that doug trumbull directed called brainstorm that was natalie wood's last movie that came out in 83 he was great in that he was great in king of new york he's great true true romance i mean he's such a great actor uh but he's a little weird like and, <laughs> and I, I'm, I i i have to say i like this casting but you know, if he's going to be the regal, I mean, Jose Ferrer played the emperor in David Lynch's Dune, and he had this very regal presence to him. Where, but Walken, Dune's a weird thing. So, you know, I think it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, he's Florence Pugh's dad. I listen. I just saw him, and one of my favorite things I've ever seen him done in, in Severance this year. His so like that's great. a totally yeah. different kind of role for him. That was really neat, and then. A couple of years ago, one of my other favorite things I've ever seen him do, and he was only his voice. He was the voice in uh, Jungle Book. Mm-hmm. How good was he? He was so, so good. good in that. That voice, the song, and the same. Like, so good. Because he so is good. a song like you. He's a song and he's dance man. Dance yeah. Loves to dance. I, I love the dude. I think he's great. I, I will admit, though, it's not the first picture that comes into my head when I think about the Emperor. No. Right? I, but Denis Villeneuve, listen, he has nailed all of his casting so far. So if he thinks, no, 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 Walken is the guy. Yeah. He's a world-class actor. If he says he's the guy, he's yeah. the guy. I think so, too. He'll probably play it differently than we expect. Exactly. So I'm curious to see how he'll, how his his emperor, I think his emperor is going to be a little bit quirky. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Somehow. Well, he, he's king of subverting expectations. Yeah. He was the headless horseman in Sleepy Hollow, yeah. and he crushed <laughs> it. Like, he was so great in that. I don't know. So do you think this is, like, when you... If we had asked you yesterday, name five names that you could see playing the Emperor in Dune 2. Would Walken have been one of them? He would not have been Walken, but I'm excited about it. 
Because also I was just leaning hard into Florence Pugh. Right, just being right, like, right. Oh, okay, well, who would play her dad then? Okay, and I was thinking about a bunch of different English actors and kind of going down that rabbit hole. But, I mean, walking doing this? I mean, I, your impression off camera made me real happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> the spice must flow. I do a terrible Christopher Walken. It's awful. Again, I apologize to everybody that being subjected to that. Look, all I know is that, look, the cast of this franchise was already stupid good. Mm -hmm. You got Timothy Chalamet, who... I kind of contend is the heir apparent. He is he is the guy who is going to rule Hollywood for the next 25 to 30 years, I think. You got Josh Brolin in there. You had like more grit in there with Jason Momoa in there as well. Like you got uh, Rebecca Ferguson in there. And now you've added Austin Butler, who's going to be like the hottest thing once Elvis comes out. Florence Pugh, who is now the hottest thing out there. And now you've added Christopher Walken. This is crazy good. Mm -hmm. Guys, question is for you. What do you make of this? Do you like the addition of Christopher Walken as the emperor? Are you having a hard time imagining him playing that role? Whatever you guys are thinking, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down, let's actually now go into main topic number three. Chris, what is our third main topic today? This one comes from Alan. Hey, everybody. I've been seeing a lot of amazing positive first reactions to Top Gun Maverick. I've heard that the review embargo is happening on Thursday. And if so, where do you see this film's percentage on Rotten Tomatoes? Also, do you think this film will beat the original Top Gun in box office and Rotten Tomatoes? Thanks, everybody. I'll tell you what. I don't know off the top of my head. Ray, can you look up the box office for the original Top Gun? Because I don't know off the top of my head what it was. I'm not suspecting it's going to be massively huge. Um... Okay, so look, we were at CinemaCon one or two weeks ago. I can't even remember now. And they showed us Top Gun. 57%. Maverick. No, no, the box office. Oh, oh sorry. Yeah, box office. 57% <laughs> uh... of what? <laughs> so they showed us the full movie of Top Gun, and I was blown away. I was absolutely blown away. I could not believe how it exceeded the original in every conceivable way which number do you want Wor worldwide it's uh 357 million 357 million for the original top gun the only way i would say that the original is still a little bit better is the love interest in the first film to me is still a little bit stronger than the love interest in the second other than that in every way shape and form this is a superior film and it is exciting and thrilling and edgier seat and all this kind of ridiculousness this movie is going to be big. It's definitely going to exceed the first Top Gun's box office. That's not going to be a problem. It is definitely going to exceed its critic rating as well, because as of this morning, Top Gun Maverick was holding, after 49 reviews, 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yes. Now, that has changed Aww. as I bring it up, uh, because our friends over at Forbes submitted the first negative review of course. <laughs> so our friends over at forbes i think it was review number 52 or whatever went in and as a result uh top gun maverick is now sitting at with uh i've got 68 reviews listed here is sitting at 95 percent oh well so i think one or two people came in came in with negative ones so uh, yeah when we put the show notes together it was holding a hundred percent now, because of two negative reviews, it's down to 95. But it's just me and Forbes. Just you and <laughs> Forbes. Um, but I'll tell you what, this is great news, especially when you start reading the enthusiasm. It's not just that the reviews are positive. It's that when you read the reviews for them, 
they're filled with a lot of excitement for them as well. For instance, take this. This comes to us from the review over at Variety who wrote the following. One could argue that our new post-Cold War world didn't need a Top Gun sequel. Tom Cruise himself once insisted as much. But one would be wrong to do so. Building on the three-part steel to one-part corn equation that director Tony Scott so effectively set 36 years earlier, the new film more than merits its existence, mirroring Cruise's character, Pete Maverick Mitchell, in pushing the limits of what the machine could do, the machine in this case being cinema, which takes to the skies as no blockbuster has before. And that kind of enthusiasm is the energy you start reading in a lot of these reviews. Look, we haven't done a formal Top Gun review here yet, and we won't do it right now, but you've heard us talk about this. And with the exception of Chris, gush about this movie. Like this, I was telling Jonathan, I came into the office the other day. I was telling Jonathan, I said, you know Top Gun's on my brain. Because on my way here, I hit the accelerator in the car to merge into the next lane. And as I do, all I could hear was Danger Zone by Kenny Loggins in the back. As I'm doing I don't know why. <laughs> then he That's, puts on his sunglasses. Then I put on the sunglasses <laughs> and I turned to the car next to me, gave him the salute. No, I didn't do that. But I mean, this was a movie that had me grinning and then tearing and then gripping the edge of my seat. The air, Listen, they... They have gone a lot into the aerial stuff in this movie to talk about all the things we did to get all this aerial footage, 800 hours and blah, blah, blah. And I'm, and I'm telling you what, it, whatever they did, it paid off. It worked. And it was exciting and thrilling and in a way that I never thought. And, you know, Rob, these movies aren't going to be, we're not going to see fighter pilot movies much longer, at least not one set in a modern day. And this movie actually talks about that a little bit. But my God, this movie's thrilling, and I am not at all surprised to see the critic rating it's getting right now. Uh, Rob, you see the ratings it's getting, merited, not merited. How do you see oh, it working out? I, I love this movie. I, I mean, it was, to me, I've always liked Top Gun as a, as a beautiful confection of 80s filmmaking. You know, Tony Scott coming off The Hunger and Beverly Hills Cop 2 working for Simpson Bruckheimer. It was designed to be a thrill ride, but it, there wasn't a lot of depth there. Um, but it was fun. You know, it was a fun movie. Tom Cruise, that was after Risky Business. That's probably his most well-known breakout role. I mean, that's what made him a star. This movie is actually, like you said, it's emotional. It's character-driven. I felt this movie. You know, I'm looking at this Forbes review, and the headline for this Forbes review says, um, he he writes, uh, top Tom Cruise's Top Gun Maverick gets trapped in the nostalgia zone. I would reject that because I well, think... Well, I mean, for, for him, that's what it was. Well, but for us, yeah. not so much. But I think the movie... I think that's even part of the plot of the film is about a man who has... On one sense, he's, he's stayed true to who he is, but on the other sense, life's kind of passed him by in a certain way. His personal life isn't there, and, and the life that he built for himself, you know, is... Is coming to an end, and there's a sense of melancholy and a sense of of looking back at your life because you know, in a way, times change, technology changes, and all of that was a part of the story, and it made it more heartfelt. And I felt I was really moved by this movie, if that makes any sense, mm -hmm. you know. And I I felt some kinship to it in the sense that as we get older, I've got a birthday coming up this week, and you wonder like, well, as as you move through life, are you still relevant? Is the job we do still relevant? How do you continue to make yourself 
relevant. And that was, those are themes that I didn't expect to feel when I was watching this movie. Now that's one thing. This movie kicks ass. It has great characters. There's so much fun. It, it does hark back to the first movie, but the aerial photography is unlike anything you've seen. And something else that surprised me about this movie, John, it's a great war movie too. I mean, if you like combat and action adventure, this is a men and women on a mission movie. This had a military objective. I didn't expect to see that. And this movie... Delighted against a country that is never named. Yeah, they never. I thought that was. (laughs) They never tell you. Yeah, they never tell you who it is. I mean, you don't. Which was fine. It worked. But but the look. This movie just surprised me. It was much better than I thought it was going to be, and it stayed with me, and it was surprisingly emotional. Now, Chris is not working on that. The way we're gushing about it, it's not working that well for everybody. Obviously, not for Forbes, Mm -hmm. and it didn't quite hit you the same way. No, this whole title here too, the nostalgia zone. That was what we talked about. Was I don't have nostalgia for this movie, so it didn't hit me the same way. You know, I I wasn't alive when it came out. It wasn't something I saw till much later in my life when my dad showed it to me. And I was still just kind of, oh, okay, yeah, this is this is a, a kind of movie my dad loves, a war movie. And and that's not my thing. Um, and it's objectively a good film. I, I do want to say that. As somebody who's not into these kinds of movies, I watched it and went, wow, this is beautiful cinematography. Wow, this is gorgeous editing. Oh my gosh, this is a fantastic uh, acting. All of those things still hit, and I can appreciate it. It's just not one that, you know, I'm going to come keep coming back to. Didn't create to. that emotional experience exactly. for you. Exactly. I will say there there is a scene where I was like, oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I know. I think we're yeah. all talking about the same scene. Yep. Yeah. That's that's like had, there was not a dry eye in the house. Absolutely. And Aaron Cummings was just a blithering mess. Oh, my God. When that scene happened. She stayed so emotional the rest of the trip when we talk about oh, no, it. No, it was it was crazy. Yeah. Actually, Ray, I'm curious. Like you sat you you watch Top Gun with us. What was your overall impressions of the I, movie? I'm going to agree with, uh, I think, uh, someone in the chat said, Christian Harloff said it's the best movie he's seen this year. I'm going to agree with him with, for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that if you didn't like the first, oh, if you didn't see the first Top Gun, or maybe you hated it, maybe you could skip this. But even if you're okay with the first one, you should see this, because this is an upgrade from the first one, I, I think, in every way. And the love interest... The only love interest I care about is Tom with that F whatever he was 18. flying. <laughs> yeah, that's it. The adrenaline in those scenes. Like I said, my favorite part about the movie wasn't when they were even in the air. It was just like the whole game planning, that strategy room. It was kind of like all, a heist film. It was, right? Yeah, it's it, it, it like just, yeah, just yeah. that whole sequence, those sequences and the music they played behind it. Like it's like the little bass and stuff like that. I was like, oh, let's go do this. So I was hyped before they even went on those missions. Now, so. there are there are a couple things in the movie. We we talked about this at our CinemaCon report, and these are two things that are in various trailers, so I'm not really revealing anything here, okay? Because these are parts that are shown in trailers. Sometimes, my biggest criticism of the film, besides the fact that the love interest didn't really click all that well for me, despite the fact that Jennifer Connelly is awesome, um, it's sometimes a little too on the nose. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. for instance, it's like, of course, one of the most iconic scenes of the original Top Gun is the beach volleyball scene. So they had to find a way to recreate that. Get everybody shirtless out on the beach. And but instead of volleyball, they're playing football. Right. That's it. Honestly, the whole scene was Tom, an excuse for Tom Cruise. Say, hey, everybody, look how good I still look approaching 60. And, and, and good for and, him. You know, full credit to him. He yeah. looked amazing in it. 
but it was a little bit too on the nose. But then the big one for me, because you see in the trailer, like there's a scene where they're on the bar singing and whatever. And Goose's son sitting at the piano playing great balls of fire with everybody else. It's like, okay, that's a little on the nose. But honestly, that's my biggest complaint about the movie. That's my biggest complaint. This is a lot of fun. Anyway, guys, question is for you. Oh, sorry. Did you have something else you want to add? Well, I was just going to say before, you know, before we saw Doctor Strange, they played an extended five-minute sequence from mm -hmm. Top Gun in IMAX. Now, we didn't see it in IMAX. We saw it on a Dolby Vision screen, right. which looked great. But seeing that stuff in IMAX, because they shot a lot, they had to design camera rigs to actually put inside mm -hmm. cockpits. Yep. I would, I would, if, if you have any interest in this movie at all, see it on the biggest, loudest screen possible. Because I'm going to see that. it again on the 23rd at a fan screening event with Cliff in at, at the Chinese. Watching it in front of Doctor Strange, it, it, this aerial photography sequence, it's astonishing, dude. There's never been aerial photography in a movie like this ever yep and they're like you pointed out there never will be again no there'll never be something like this again anyway guys questions for you what do you think have you been hearing a lot of stuff have you been keeping track of what's going on with cop gun how big of an opening can you can it have i'm not i just know the movie's amazing i honestly don't know how how many people are going to rush out to see it i just don't know all i know is that you should whatever you guys thoughts are jump down to the comment section below and leave those thoughts there all right guys with that down Let's move on to our fourth and final main topic today. Chris, what is our fourth topic today? This is from Vanish. Good day, John and team. I've been very saddened by the lack of Star Wars movies of late. I don't love the sequel movies, but they still gave me something to look forward to. Did you see that Kevin Feige's writer for his Star Wars movie says that it's not a sequel to anything and is totally original? What does that mean and does it increase your excitement for it? You know, it's kind of weird. I just said I'd never, ever heard somebody say the statement, my mom took me to see Deer Hunter. But for Jonathan, it's the second time today. Just the other day, I said on Mailbag, somebody else, you know, hey, is the Kevin Feige Star Wars movie still happening? I'm like, honestly, I don't know. I haven't heard anything about it in ages. And then the next day, Michael Ralder reminded everybody, yeah, I, I stepped away from Loki season two because I'm focusing everything on Kevin Feige's Star Wars movie. We got talking about that. Now, however, Michael Waldron, of course, the writer of Doctor Strange 2, and he is now writing Kevin Feige's um, Star Wars movie, was interviewed by Screen Rant, and we got a little bit of detail about what this Kevin Feige movie is going to be. This comes to us from Screen Rant. Screen Rant asks him, can we look forward to a Marvel return from you in the near future? Waldron, maybe, I don't know, we'll see. I'm busy right now in a galaxy far, far away. Screen Rant. I know you can't say anything about that actual project, but what does it mean for you to take that on? Waldron, it's great. It's a dream come true. In some ways, it's freeing because it's not necessarily a sequel to anything. There's an opportunity to breathe a little bit and do something that feels really original. And beyond that, it's just fun. Now, I want to read that again. It's freeing because it's not necessarily a sequel to anything. There's an opportunity to breathe a little bit and to do something really original. And beyond that, it's just fun. And that comes to us from Michael Waldron, who is, of course, working on Kevin Feige's Star Wars movie. This, while a minor quote, I think gives us a real sense of context. Because by coming out and saying, okay, this isn't a sequel to anything. All right. So it's not Mandalorian based. It's not Boba Fett based. It's not following up on. I heard some speculation from people that it's essentially going to be Star Wars Episode 10. We know that that's not the case now. I mean, this really does kind of 
take a lot of the options about what this movie was going to be off the table. And by elimination, we start to get a little bit of a clearer picture. And then he says something that's going to feel really original. That can be good or bad because, you know, some people, it's like not every star, Star Wars is a big universe, man. Not everything has to have force users and lightsabers. But some people are like, where the F are my lightsabers? <laughs> like, where, where's the Sith fighting Jedi? We want to see that. So when he says totally original, does that mean original in the sense that we're not going to deal with Jedi or Sith? Not necessarily. It doesn't necessarily mean that, but but maybe it does. Now, Rob, when I brought up the, the Kevin Feige project the other day, you made a prediction that I had not even considered. And I didn't honestly think there was any chance of you being right. But maybe... You brought up the idea that you think they're going to actually make an announcement at Star Wars Celebration in a couple of weeks. And, and, you know, the more I think about it, it has been years and years since they first announced that Kevin Feige was doing a Star Wars film. And it has been years and years since then. Maybe now they have something that they can share. I, first of all, what do you think about Waldron's comments about this is not a sequel to anything and that's going to be really original? So what do you think about that? And then how does that affect your thoughts that maybe they could actually straight up come out at Star Wars Celebration in a few weeks and announce what this project is? What do you think? I think that, well, one, you know, the Star Wars universe is huge. And, and there's been so many ways that you could go with this. And I think if anybody has an idea of starting a different kind of a story or take a different tact or something, it's Kevin Feige would know. What I find really interesting about this is Waldron's coming off of a $500 million film right now. By the time Star Wars Celebration rolls around, it could be $700 million, $800 million, who knows. They don't make these kinds of... You don't see people making announcements for Marvel movies or Star Wars movies willy-nilly in the press. Right. I mean, and that's the only reason I think that we're going to get an announcement. Because the fact that he answered this question, he could have said, I can't talk about that. Yeah. He didn't. <laughs> you know, he, He's actually giving us... They, he knows, you know, he knows it's an original movie. Oh, you know, it's, 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 it's not a sequel to anything. Oh, you know, like they're, they're seeding the ground, you know, for us. And I think they're going to make that announcement. I'm excited, dude, because, you know, I think we all love the Star Wars universe. Even when Star Wars, Star Wars is also like pizza. Even when it's bad, it's still pretty good. <laughs> it's still pizza. It's tombstone. You know, it's, yeah, you're, yeah. Still, you're still, tombstone pizza I, I mean, pizza. I love the Star Wars universe. Look. If the movie's terrible, but there's X-Wings flying, I'm like, all right. Yeah. If I hear the sound of a TIE fighter, I'm like, okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if I get yeah, that, man. I'm like, okay. You know, I might complain, and I do. We all do. I do not like Rise of Skywalker, but Same. seeing horses gallop across a Star Destroyer makes no sense at all, but it's Star Destroyer. It's pretty wonderful. Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah, just I like. Hate, I hate that movie. I hate that movie. But even I couldn't uh, couldn't help but go, huh, when I see horses riding uh, yeah. across a Star Destroyer. I mean, you know, I, 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 like. If they, I, I would just watch it. So to know this is happening, to know Kevin Feige's dealing with it because he has a huge love for science fiction. He's also a huge Star Trek fan. It makes sense. And I think that who better to announce that finally Kevin Feige's making a Star Wars movie. They're coming off a $500 million win for Doctor Strange. I mean, what a safe bet. Like Disney shareholders are going to be like, Bravo. You know, I mean, there's, that's why I think we're going to get this announcement. We got, I, you know what? Disney's finally, they got Kenobi. They got Kevin Feige. They've got this Star Wars celebration coming up. They're going to roll out the big guns and everyone's going to be happy.
and their stock price is going to go up. I have I have a couple of thoughts. One is, wouldn't it be amazing if, by the way, Michael Waldron looks a little bit like Henry Cavill's less developed younger brother. Yes. I, I, but anyway, that aside, I, whatever. Um, the uh, Number one, when he says definitely not a sequel to anything and totally original, you know where we haven't been yet that would not be a sequel to anything? Old Republic. Now, now we know that the Game of Thrones guys, they were trying to develop. A, they were developing a, an Old Republic series of films before they part away. So that is obviously something that's on Lucasfilm's radar. So I'm not saying it's going to be Old Republic, but I'm just saying when you say it's definitely not a sequel to anything and it's completely original, we have never been to the Old Republic era on screen yet. <laughs> that could be something pretty interesting, pretty fascinating. But the other thought that comes to my mind is this. when you're The way you're describing that, I just remember the last D23 when I was there and Kathleen Kennedy's on stage and she brings out Ewan McGregor. And uh, Ewan McGregor says to her, Kathy, Kathy, yes, Ewan, ask me if I'm going to be Obi-Wan again. Ewan, are you going to be Obi-Wan again? Yes. I can just see them kind of recreating that. If she comes, I say, Kevin, are you ready to do your Star Wars movie? Yes. And then explosion across the universe, all that kind of stuff. It would chaos well, ensues. It'll I, be great. I mean, you think about it. John Favreau directed Iron Man and Iron Man 2. I mean, there do you think Kevin Feige and John Favreau aren't talking all the time? You know, there. I'm sure Kevin Feige, when he's not working on Mar by the way, they were doing reshoots for Spider-Man and Doctor Strange at Manhattan Beach Studios, where they're shooting all the Mandalorian and Obi Wan. They're they're all on the same. They're literally on the same lot making this stuff. I am sure they are way deeper into this movie than anybody knows. And when they make this announcement, I'll bet there's images. They'll show no. pre-production artwork. If no. Waldron's still writing, do you think there's actually artwork already? I yes. Okay. Because, yeah, because their be development cool. departments, I'll bet you they're going to show and they'll even tell us a little bit about what it is. They'll say this movie. Uh, look, dude, if they said Old Republic, if you're in that auditorium, people are going to go bananas. Yeah, people will lose their minds. And if it is Old Republic, you know, Kevin Feige will probably say, you know, I used to play that game and I loved it. <laughs> you know, that's what. And I'll bet you we see that. Now, by the way, I don't know anything. I'm speculating. This is speculation versus expectation. Right. I'm completely speculating, but I'll bet you because they got to make an announcement. They need a splash here. They need everyone's already excited about Obi Wan and all that, but they need to come out with guns blazing. Yeah. All right, Chris, you're you're hearing everything that Waldron's saying here. <laughs> Number one, what do you take away from these two little but seemingly kind of significant pieces of information? Not a sequel to anything, quite original, mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. And secondly, just kind of going down this train Rob's got us on right now is. Do you think an, an announcement of some kind could be imminent? What do you think? I really do. I really think this Star Wars celebration is going to be huge because it's been put off for so long and they have so many irons in the fire. So I really do think we're going to hear more about this property. Um, I'm so excited to have something new. I know some of the episodes were misses for you, but the thing I loved about Star Wars Visions was that it was new, original yeah, stories. Yeah, it was all different. Yeah. I loved I loved that there weren't connections to other characters. Where I was like, yes, give me some fresh, tasty new stuff. That is exactly what I want. And just backtracking, I love that for everyone who was like, man, Last, uh, Last Jedi is the worst film I ever saw. Rise of Skywalker was just like, hold my beer. Yeah. <laughs> give me a moment. I, st I still, look, I don't care what anybody says. I still, with all the bad that's in it, I still appreciate uh, The Last Jedi. I yeah. like but it. 
God, even I, the world's biggest Disney Star Wars defender, <laughs> even I was like, yeah, The Rise of Skywalker. Mm, there's some just, pretty stuff in it. Yeah, there are some very pretty things in it. You're absolutely right. That, yeah. But yeah, let's get some new stuff. Let's get some new IP within Star Wars. Yeah, new right. characters. Yeah, yeah, Tatooine still is going to be involved in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, still going to be Tatooine. Still going to be talking about sand. That, who knew that Tatooine was the center of <laughs> oh the universe gosh, yeah. in Star Wars? Chris, though, I think you make a really good point. There hasn't been a Star Wars celebration in a while. They they need to come out and make a big, big splash. Heck and yeah. why not? I mean, they've got Ewan McGregor. You said they announced it yeah. at D23. Well, here's the realization of that announcement. Mm -hmm. We're getting it next weekend, you know, or, or the weekend after. It's happening. So you've got Obi-Wan... This is bringing Star Wars back in a big way. Like, yeah. like what did Steve Sansweet once say? Star Wars is in the air everywhere. You know, that's happening again. And I think we need it. Yeah. You know, at this point. Here's the thing. The, the fandom, especially after the rise of Skywalker, especially af after Book of Boba Fett, which was not horrible. And, 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 and Book of Boba Fett has some people that, that actually quite appreciate it. And that's great. It's certainly like Bryce Dallas Howard's episode was fantastic. Yeah. But... Star Wars, the fandom needs to have something to be excited about right now. And certainly we are so excited about Obi-Wan, but no streaming series is going to replace the excitement that a Star Wars feature film can do. And you're right. If they come out on that stage, and listen, I'm not saying that Star Wars Celebration is a bust if they don't do this. Not at all. Right. But I'm just saying if they do this a Star Wars Celebration, Kevin Feige comes out on stage and they make the official announcement, all that kind of stuff. Suddenly now you've got a fandom that's going to be excited again. And uh, that's kind of something that they need right now. All right, guys. Question is for you. What do you think of Waldron's comments here about it not being a sequel to anything? It's going to be original, all that kind of stuff. Does it give you some theories about what it could or could not be? Do you think that maybe they'll make an announcement at Celebration? I'm still 50-50 on it, but if they do, it would be kind of wild. Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Guys, the Star Wars fandom is thirsting for some great news and when you're thirsting you need to be rehydrated and that's where our friends at liquid iv come in we want to take a minute and thank the sponsors of this video liquid iv now listen just one stick of liquid iv added to 16 ounces of water will hydrate you faster and more efficiently than just water alone it contains five essential vitamins like b3 b5 b6 b12 and of course vitamin c with three times the electrolytes as traditional sports drinks and what makes liquid iv so effective is the science of cellular transport technology or ctt you see it's designed to enhance rapid absorption of water and other key ingredients into your bloodstream faster and more efficiently you know ann and i get up pretty early in the morning to go to the gym because we can't go to the gym at any other time during the day and for the last couple of weeks i have been drinking one full glass of water with liquid iv and all i can tell you is you can feel the difference during the workout so go and grab liquid iv in bulk nationwide at costco or you can get 25 percent off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code campia at checkout that's 25 percent off anything you order when you use the promo code Campia, that's C-A-M-P-E-A, at liquidiv.com. Experience better hydration today when you go to liquidiv.com. And remember, use the promo code at checkout, Campia. And a big thank you to the folks at Liquid IV for supporting and making this episode of the John Campia Show possible. Once again, guys, make sure you check out their links in the description below. When you support our sponsors, you're supporting us. Okay, guys, the Super Chats are... 
now open. So if you guys have a thought, observation, comment that you guys would like to throw in and have us read here on the show, it's now open available to you. We're only going to leave it open for a couple of minutes, so get it in quickly. Now, I just Before we get to it, though, I just want to ask Rob this one thing quick. If What percentage chance? Let me ask you this. 60? No. Uh-oh. 70%. Over or under 70% that they make the Kevin Feige announcement at uh, Celebration? Over 70. Over 70. Chris? I think so. I'm going to go, I, I, I'm more bought into it than I was before, but I'm still going to take under on the 70. I'm a little bit closer to the 50 mark, but we'll see where that goes. All right, guys. Now let's get on over to you. Your thoughts that you guys have been sending in. Chris, what are people sending in here? All right. Uh, we've got some support from the Robo Producer and John Wicked. Thanks Thank so much, you guys. guys. It's ma'am. Hey, John, praying your mom gets better. A show I really enjoyed just came out, uh, Tehran Season 2. Have you guys seen it? By the way, I kind of missed the garage. Um... I, I really don't. <laughs> I really do not miss the garage. You don't like us? You don't miss uh, us being in your garage and in your personal bathroom? That claustrophobic, <laughs> everybody having to use. Anne was not totally thrilled about people using our bathroom every day. Yes, it was. But that being said, um, Tehran is one of those shows that I've never seen. And I don't know tons of people that watch it. But the four or five people I've heard talk about it just gush about it. So, uh, but I've not seen it, but I've heard great things. Rob, what about you? Uh, same thing with you, but didn't they just add like Glenn Close to the cast? Yep. Oh, geez. Yeah, and I, I'm a huge Glenn Close acolyte. Ever since I first saw her in the world, according to Garp, in the early 80s, man, I'm a huge fan of her and Big Chill and, of course, Fatal mm-hmm. Attraction. Another shout out to another Robin Williams movie yeah, here today. Yeah, you know, uh, I, oh, man, I love that you know, movie. You know what I miss? Those cookies that Ishmael brought to us. Dude, that's right. They, those cookies, those, they did. They also didn't last long. Yeah, they didn't last, <laughs> they didn't long, last long. Those at all. cookies are magical. Yep. they are. All right, what's next? And I'm wearing your shirt, by the way. Oh, yay! Uh, from Caden, Star Wars needs a good movie to get behind. Series are great, but we need something on the big screen. This celebration needs to be at le- needs to at least inspire hope. I listen. I completely agree with you. Look, with Mandalorian and, and whatnot, they have been delivering so- some. Really good stuff. Book of Boba Fett, not so much, although it had some really, really great moments. But that's great. That's that's wonderful. We need the movies. We need the movies. It's like, yeah, people like Falcon and Winter Soldier and Loki, but Spider-Man No Way Home. We need that big collective experience on the big screen. That's what's really going to energize the fan base again. I, I totally agree with you on that. All right, what's next? From Amin, which Star Wars film or films were you more interested in and were hoping to see? Weiss and Banoff or the Rain Johnson trilogy? Or Ryan Johnson, excuse um, me. Honestly, the, the, I was more interested in the Benioff and Weiss idea because, number one, because I love what they did on Game of Thrones. Number two, the fact that they were focusing on uh, Old Republic so all that kind of stuff. Look, I appreciated what, look, Ryan Johnson is deeply passionate about Star Wars. And I appreciate what he did with The Last Jedi. He took big chances. Some of them hit, some of them missed. Uh, but I would I would have been open to the idea of a Ryan Johnson trilogy, but I told people for the longest time, that is, that is not a trilogy that's ever going to happen. They still to this day have not officially made it official that that's not happening anymore it's clearly not happening anymore but uh, i was more interested in the benioff and weiss one what, what about you rob i think benioff and weiss as well i mean the the 
the only upside is that they they're now adapting this incredible science fiction trilogy of books by a Chinese author called The Three Body Problem. That's in, it, it's an incredible read, and I don't quite know how they're going to do it because <laughs> it's wildly ambitious. But if they pull it off, we're in for a treat. But I would like to have seen what they did with Star Wars. Yeah, me too. All right, what's next? From Elizabeth Harado, I just realized how big this month will be. Obviously, Doctor Strange 2, but we still have Stranger Things, Obi-Wan's show, Top Gun 2, and my personal fave, a new Florence and the Machine album. That's cool. Game month? Um, I'm telling you what, this April was big. This month has also been very big. We got some big things coming. Obviously, we're we're in the countdown now for Obi-Wan. Cannot wait for Top Gun to come out. I mean, Stranger Things is big phenomena. It's going to be interesting to see how people get excited about it again. Because I'm not feeling, not sensing the same excitement for Stranger Things Season 4 that I did for Stranger Things Season 3 from a lot of people. Of course, that could be because of the big layoff that we had due to COVID. But still, you're right. It's a huge month. All right. What's next? From Al Renshaw, I just rewatched your recent rant video about why the cute Ewoks are murderous predators. Yep. Pure gold. Every time I watch Return of the Jedi, I think about the dress woman that was killed for it. <laughs> yeah, ev everybody forgets this. Like, I, without going into the entire thing again, I cannot help but laugh at the ignorance when people underestimate the Ewoks. You do, they are something straight out of a Sam Raimi horror nightmare film. I relate to them. They are savage, mm -hmm. efficient killers mm -hmm. that will capture you, burn you alive, not even have the decency to slit your throat first. They want to hear your screams in the Endorian night. Then they will eat your flesh, and then they will play celebration tunes through the night with your bones. Nice. And remember this. When they found Princess Leia, and then the rest of the group gets to the Ewok village and Leia comes out in that dress. That dress came from a woman that they had captured and eaten. Yeah. Where do you, th you think they just had that dress laying around? That came from a woman they captured and ate. That like, says a lot about Leia, though, that they were like, we'll keep this one. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty cute. She's cute. Do you ever, did you ever see the Saturday Night Live sketch about the alien abduction with Kate? Uh, oh, Kate McKinnon? With Kate McKinnon. Yeah. Yeah. That wasn't how it was for me. Um, <laughs> no. Came in and kind of slapped the knockers. I mean, it was... Yeah, I mean, straight up vicious, heartless killers. All right, sorry. I love them. I could go on the Ewoks a long time. All right, what's next? From Andy, one of two. Uh, have any of y'all seen the... Oh, did I do Film Code Podcast? We got it. It's it, Two is below, so we got to oh, okay, go up and down. Oh, okay, thank you. Have any of y'all seen the trailer to Netflix's Our Father? It's a documentary about a twisted fertility doctor who inseminated 90 patients oh, yeah. and counting, using his sperm without their consent in Indianapolis. Ugh. Eventually, his bio kids found each other uh, and out who he was through 23andMe and Ancestry.com. Ugh! Oh, I've seen this. I've seen this trailer, and it is mortifying. I've never even heard of this. Oh, it! I remember it, when it hit the news. Yeah, this is a true story about a a fertility doctor who just decided to use his own sperm to impregnate a, like at least a hundred women. Yeah. And when they started using the DNA ancestry services, the people and by the way, it's all in like the same town. So like some of them can date each other like and not know that they're siblings. Oh my God. I mean, dude, you watch, and I it's, it's like your dream Wonder Twins movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm an adoptee. I'm an adoptee. So, so watching this, like, 
I, I mean, I, my biological parents were biological parents. They didn't go to a fertility doctor, but I watched this and it, it is so, it's just so monstrous yeah. that this guy did this. What a violation. No, and, and every time someone, can you imagine he got them pregnant? And then he brought these, He, he car- I guess he helped these women take these babies to term. So he was sitting there. Can you imagine him knowing he was a father a hundred different times? I mean, the psychopathy in that is mm-hmm. insanity. Reminds me a bit of that Vince Vaughn, The oh. Delivery Man movie. Oh. Only it was on purpose. Yeah. I mean, oh, jeez. I mean, but by the way, the documentary, it shows all these people like they start meeting each other and finding this out and uncovering it. Ooh. Um, all right, we need we need to keep moving on. By the way, uh, one of our director level members, Brandon Townsend, just wrote in and said, "Hey, OG Campia and the squad, what's happening? I just wanted to say I'm loving the show, and with great risks comes great rewards. The new studio setup is amazing, and will only get better." Well, thank you so much for that, Brandon. Thanks for being one of our members, thank you. dude. All right, what's next? From Film Code Podcast, John, past four times I've been to AMC, the trailers have gone only 15 to 18 minutes. Much better. Could still do without the Kidman ad, though. Here's the problem with that. Um, the last four or five times, three or four of them have been 25 to 30 minutes. And one time was 15 minutes. So you can't even plan to come in late because I plan to come in late for around when the movie would start. And I missed the first five minutes of the movie. So fuck AMC. All right. What's hey, they next? make movies better. They make movies. They Heartbreak make movies feels better. Good there. Heartbreak feels so good. It's there. great. Shabrigo. Jeff Rigo. So awesome cooking for you guys last night. Bring the whole gang soon, even for lunch. Hope you enjoyed your gifts. We did. Man, I did enjoy those gifts. Thank you. And the food was so good. The food was good. Ray is an aficionado of fried rice. Yeah. It was dope fried rice. I mean, it was really good. And I got ice cream. Oh, you did? Okay, so like, Ray, okay, time out, time out. Oh, no, here's another another attractive... Making Ray look so Ooh. attractive. Ladies, get ready. In Shogun, right Ray at the table. A sexy and story two tables up. over, there's a big birthday party for a child, right? And they bring out this big bowl of ice cream with some whipped cream out for the child. And Ray's like, oh, I, I want that. And so before what our it food does, came out. So before our food even came out. I said, I'll take that first. So the waitress comes comes along and Ray's like, yo, 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 come here. Can I see you a second? Can I see you a second? I really want that bowl of ice cream. Oh, is it your birthday? No. Can I have the bowl of ice cream? <laughs> we'll get you the bowl of ice cream. You should say yes. Sure now, that is a very loose, loose uh, description of what happened. Yeah. And sure enough, they brought him out at the end of our meal. They bought him this big bowl of ice cream. The manager's like, oh, is it your birthday? No. Oh, that breaks our rules. And all of a sudden, Ray was feeling guilty. And now He's that like, waitress nah. is my wife. Oh, yay. Mazel. Anyone who brings me ice cream, come on. It was. I was actually. Listen, no, no shade, man. I was actually. I was impressed. I was actually kind of jealous. <laughs> if I wasn't starved, if I wasn't stuffed, I should say, I That's probably would have got one myself. All Aww. right, what's next? From Chris Miner. Speaking of Olsen wanting to branch out, what are some of your favorite non MCU films starring an adventure? Rush with Hemsworth, yeah. her with jo- uh, Johansson, um, Spotlight with Ruffalo, or some of mine. I mean, Spotlight is I so mean those are all great. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, World War II uh, code de- 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 deciphering one. Uh, he got nominated oh, the for the Imitation Game. The Imitation yeah, Game was great. great uh, uh, Chaplin with Robert Downey Jr. The Hurt Locker um, with Jeremy The Renner. Hurt Locker with Jeremy the Renner. The Electrical Life with Louis Wayne with Benedict Cumberbatch. Yep. Her mm. with Scarlett Johansson. Mm-hmm. 
of, I mean, we can go on and on. I mean, the MCU, I mean, anything with Every, Anthony Hopkins. Everything that Robert Downey Jr. Turf with done. Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Sundance Kid. Uh, um, why am I Butch forgetting Cassidy Robert Redford's Sundance name? Yeah, Robert yeah, Redford. 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 You know, Robert right. Redford, just about anything Robert Redford has done. Mm-hmm. Uh, sneakers with Robert, actually sneakers with Robert Redford and Sir... Um, uh, uh, ben Ben Kingsley, ben Kingsley. Yeah. Sir Ben Kingsley. So that's two of them in sneakers. I, there, I well, never see it again. But room, about in the mood for in, room, Brie Larson. Room with Brie Larson. Yeah, that's a, in the mood for love with Tony Lung. I mean, every one of his movies yeah. he did with Wong Kar Wai. <laughs> Kim's Convenience. Hard boiled with John John Woo. Mm-hmm. Kim's Convenience. Uh, that that is my new comfort show. That's replaced it's the Office for the me. The best. Gosh, so Kim's good. Convenience. If you guys have not watched. Kim's Convenience. It's so pure. Get on Netflix. What it is? It's Canadian, yes, but mm-hmm. it's. I tell you, the two best shows are Canadian, Shit's Creek, and Kim's Convenience. They are Schitt's the two Creek. best shows. You have to watch these guys. All right, what's next? From Scotty Hale, PSA: Hack season two starts back up this weekend. Are we excited? I am. I've never watched a single frame, and I, I, all I see is winning awards everywhere. And you know, it's the same woman who plays Mayor's mom in Mayor of Easttown, right? Yep. Yeah, and who was she? Was also in Legion. Jean Smart. Jean yeah. Smart. That's yeah. her name. She was and also Watchmen. Le- I she watched her in Designing Women when I was a kid. That was one of my mom's favorite shows. That's She's what amazing. she was from. Yeah. Right. She's I gotta so see good. it. Have she was in a movie with Shatner. Yeah. We we watched it. Logan keeps auditioning for it, which I'm hoping they find a spot for him. Um, but it's it's really really great. It's about a stand up comedian who was a pioneer as a female comedian, and kind of her trying to uh, get get more um, fire back into her career with a young writer. All right. It's really good. What's next? From Jeremy144713. You missed my super chat and Dr. S. Spoiler talk. Watched all three videos twice to confirm and was an inappropriate question. Bring up in case it happens to others. Um, you might have missed it. We certainly didn't take any out. Um, so maybe, you know, here's sometimes people, I've had sometimes people write in and say, hey, you missed my question. And I bring up the entire log. Like I did a search for what they set the question on and it's not in the log. What has happened sometimes is people forget to hit submit or whatever. And listen, there have also been times when we've accidentally skipped over questions. Yeah. You can see it in the video when we accidentally skip one over. That happens. But um, I, I mean, I just don't know. I you know, try to be data. pretty good, too, of doing a control search when you all put in the chat that I've skipped over something. Yeah, because if it's not in the check. log, that yeah. means it didn't come in. Exactly. So there's that. All right. What's next? But I'm human. I could have made a mistake. Uh, I'm in. Been loving your sponsor transitions. To be honest, <laughs> though. How long do you work on them? I, I, I think them up on the spot. They're straight <laughs> Which, off the dome. It was like straight off the top of my head. That's why some of them are really bad. Uh, but yeah, th- there's that. Thank you so much for that. I'm working on my Segway game. All right, what's next? <laughs> Fifi. Hey, John and crew. I'm from the future. I just got out of the theater watching the new Star Wars movie, Yoda, by Kevin Feige. Great film. The Yoda Yaddle love story was definitely the highlight. I don't know why everybody thinks Yoda and Yaddle have to be a couple. Because, well, he's a guy and she's a girl and they're the same species. It's downright uh, racist is what the, it is. The one, <laughs> the one thing I would say, though, is that, I mean, from what Walden said, it won't be a Yoda movie. That would definitely be too connected to everything. But last night at Frankenstein's, we saw a one-to-one scale Master Yoda, like old man Return of the Jedi Master Yoda. And I I was like, how much does that cost? And Anne beelined into the shop, found the shopkeeper, and she came out, yeah, you don't want that. I'm like, <laughs> why? Just $15,000. thousand? Yeah. It's and good I'm to like, want things, though. She, she said it was actually 
there at the premiere of Return of the Jedi. They had it there in the foyer of the theater for the premiere of Return of the Jedi. It's actually that I'm like, okay, that just kind of makes me want it more. Yeah. But I can't. Why don't we want it? I'm still confused about why we don't want it. Yeah. We want want it. (laughs) Yes. Oh, yeah. But I don't want to pay for it. That's the more accurate thing. All right. What's next? From Bobby Jackson. For the sake of irony, they should get the other rock for the genie, Chris Rock. (laughs) <laughs> that Impish. would be the ultimate F you. <laughs> that, that would be the ultimate F you. All right, what's next? From Hugo Alonso. Hello. Hello, oh. Hugo. Thanks for saying hi. From Magic K. Finally, the genie has come back to Agrabah. Finally. That's a for those of you who don't watch uh, wrestling, that's a that's a rock thing. Good call out, man. I like that one. All right, what's next? From Peter Cunnington. I went to see uh I want to I went to see the play Aladdin in London. So good. And that was for me the best version of Aladdin ever. That genie was just hilarious and wonderful. I think, and I think they've gotten that same guy to play New York, Los Angeles, London. Is this the musical version? The musical stage show of it. Yeah. It is fantastic. And the dude who plays the genie, you can find YouTube clips of Mm -hmm. him doing it. He kills it. He is Mm. so good. I don't know that he would work as a movie version per se, um, but yeah, it was really great. All right, what's next? From Monkey of All DJs. Hey, kids, been with you since AMC. Thank you. My question, what kind of percentage are you giving for a Kings versus Leafs Cup final? If it happens, you're going to at least, uh, you're going to at least one game? Okay, you, look, you have to understand, I don't talk about hockey a lot on here because a lot of our audience is in America and America doesn't understand the gloriousness, yeah. the pure godshedness of hockey. It is the ultimate sport. And my team They don't is even use a ball, John. The Toronto Maple Leafs. That's right. They're too advanced for a ball. The lesser sports use a ball. Um, my team, the Toronto Maple Leafs, I, you have to understand, if I cut myself, I will bleed blue and white. I, I, have, I have been a passionate, psychotic Toronto Maple Leafs fan my entire life. If you think your team sucks, let me tell you something. My team has never been, forget one, my team has never been to the Stanley Cup Finals in my entire lifetime. In the entire time that I've been on this earth, the Toronto Maple Leafs have not even been to the Stanley Cup Finals. If the Toronto Maple Leafs were to go to the Stanley Cup Finals, I'm sorry to tell all of you this in the room, I am selling everything. I'm going to pay whatever it is I have to pay. I will shut down my business and I will get two tickets to go to one of the games because that's the end of my life journey is right there. That, that is the thing. Like, so yes, if mm. uh, I don't do give a shit about the Kings, don't get me wrong. I can like I, the Kings very Deadpool much. Statue? I, if you want to pay for it, I'm because I've got to pay for my it's tickets. It's so nice to feel like you have that. If security. the Leafs go to the Stanley cup final, I guess anybody uh, I am. I am doing whatever it is I have to do. I, I'm. I'm selling a toe. I don't care. What you need? Uh, You're you selling get a toe. Easy. Uh, I will. I will definitely get tickets. All right. So yes, there's that. All right. What's next? From Andy, if Batman discovers that justice is more important than vengeance at the end of the Batman, would that make this movie Dawn of Justice? <laughs> bum bum bum. I see what you did there. By the way, it is a beautiful ending at the end of Batman. Mm-hmm. By the way, that realization. All right. What's next? From Thiago, where's Earth 616 Mordo? Uh, same place Earth 616's uh, Hawkeye was in Doctor Strange 2. Yeah. Off somewhere else, doing something else. He's Slotting. walking the Earth. He's walking the Earth, planning vengeance. All right, what's next? 
from Irene Jobson. What's your favorite multi-universe? Uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. Oh, yeah. I mean, honestly. I mean, by a mile. <laughs> Nothing else. Like, like I, I see some people going, huh, Doctor Strange 2 wasn't even the best multiverse movie of the year. To which, to which I said, mm, everything, everywhere, all at once is better than every film this year. It's like you can draw whatever comparison you want. Yes, it's better than Doctor Strange 2. But whatever your favorite movie this year is, everything everywhere all at once is better than that movie too. Of course, it's all subjective. But I'm just saying, it, it. so it's kind of a bad comparison. By the way, guys, if you still haven't seen everything everywhere all at once, go see it. It is the best movie of the year so far, in my opinion. All right, what's next? From Stefan, Disney plans sequels, prequels to Jungle Book, Lion King, Beauty and the Beast, and Aladdin, but none have happened so far, and I doubt any of them ever will. Oh, they will. Oh yeah, Disney and franchises. Yeah, <laughs> like don't we'll doubt, see. don't doubt Disney and franchises. They, yeah, they will. Yeah, they will happen. They will absolutely happen. again. Little bit of a wrench in the works of Aladdin, obviously, because of the whole Will Smith thing. That one's a little bit more complicated. But the other ones, yeah, count on it. May not yeah. be for a while, but it'll happen. All right, what's next? From Tim, underrated movie that had a big impact on your pers on you personally. For me, it's School Days by Spike Lee. That's a good one. Um, I I mean, that's a great question, but it's one I, I don't have always off the top of my head. Do either you, you guys have one? Almost Famous. Ooh, I was your... really deeply affected by that movie. What about you? Happy Accidents. It's a time oh, yeah, travel movie yeah. with Vincent Ofrio. Yeah. Um, I've brought it up before. I'll say Clerks too. I, I've explained oh, before yeah. why yeah. the themes of that movie were happening at a particular time in my life that was actually very, very meaningful to me. Mm -hmm. All right, what's next? Gus Gas Station Movie Reviews fart. <laughs> Love your work. The Rock is in talks to play Beta Ray Bill in Thor 5. You heard it first from, from Gus. Gus's Gas Station Reviews <laughs> Dot Fart. All right, what's next? From Danito, are you afraid Kevin Feige is being overworked? Um, no, I think Kevin Feige is overstretching himself. Mm. Um, that that is my big fear about like for take Star Wars out of it. That's one movie. Uh, like remember. Marvel and the MCU was a place where two, three things a year. Now we're talking about getting into realms where it's like double that and, and maybe even more. And I do. And listen, I know people don't like hearing me say it, but I'm not here to say things you already agree with. I'm here to tell you the truth. I believe Marvel's overall quality is suffering a bit. Don't get me wrong. No way home was fantastic. I like Dr. Strange too. I like Falcon the Winter Soldier, but it was not MCU quality. I liked Loki, but it was not MCU quality. I didn't like Hawkeye. That was not MCU quality. I thought Black Widow was okay, but it wasn't MCU quality. And I don't think it's a coincidence that this is all happening as, as Marvel is putting their foot on the gas of cranking out more and more and more and more. And when you have one guy who is the creative visionary behind everything, that is stretching him too thin. It's still cranking out some great stuff, but I believe it's hurting them overall. I think too, John, from the end of the first Iron Man, when Nick Fury says, I want to talk to you about the Avengers initiative, we knew that they were leading somewhere. Yeah. No idea where this is going. We're phase four. Where is the Marvel Universe? What direction are we headed in? And I'll, and I'll tell you something. I actually don't care. Like, because to me, I care less about What's the overall story of the MCU? I just want good individual movies, I, good individual problems, and I find that they're suffering on that level. A I bit. agree. I agree with you. But there was also something about the MCU where you know they're building to something. Right. And but there's nothing like I love I've I've been enjoying the MCU, but there's no 
I don't know what I'm supposed to take away from all these movies. Like, am I ever going to see, I know they're going to make a Shang-Chi too, but how does Shang-Chi, where's it going to go? By I the mean, way, that's another great example of something that they have done recently. That is fantastic. Shang-Chi, No Way Home, things like that. But yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah, I think he's stretched too thin right now. I really do. And right. they, they keep doing these huge things that what are the ramifications of the Celestials? I know Earth? every single thing is like, got to save the galaxy, got to save the universe. So like every day there's five other threats that are going to end all reality. They got to start shifting up gears again. Like they used to do when they would go to an Ant-Man movie. You know, they go from saving the world to save your family to what? Like they got to start changing gears again. All right, what's next? Um, there's one that we skipped from yeah. Al Renshaw. Since Chris didn't like war movies, what does she think of Hacksaw Ridge? I didn't see it because I don't like war movies. It, Hacksaw Ridge is really good. Mm. Really, I hear it's really incredible. Good. Yeah, I, I like it a lot. But yeah, if it's, war movies the not your thing, thing then, like, then yeah. Everyone tells me all the time, you need to see the It films. No, I don't. Yeah, I don't I really like don't. those. <laughs> I'm not going to like it. All right, what's next? From Jay Masters. Jay Masters. $20 super chat. Thank you, Jay. Hey, crew. Moon Knight head writer Jeremy Slater recently revealed to comicbook.com that producers Grant Curtis and Nick Pepin, who work on the series as well, will serve as producers on Marvel Studios' Fantastic Four. Thoughts? Um, I think that's interesting. Look, Kevin, on every one of his movies, he is the producer. And then he has other producers that work out uh, under him, help carrying out the vision, stuff like that. So, hey, that sounds great. Whoever Kevin's going to work with, that sounds that sounds great to me. I also think, too, that, you know, they shot that series in Budapest. And I think those producers probably did a really good job managing the production. Right. Which is why, you know, they give them bigger things to do because they've proven themselves doing a, a series like Moon Knight. Yeah. Now, a lot of people got to remember, producers in movies are not directors. Right. They're not the one crafting the stories. They're not. not again, unless you're Kevin Feige, who's also the studio head, you're coming up with the overall direction of everything. But generally speaking, a producer is the one who like hires the writer, uh, acquires the rights that they need to acquire, brings on the right director for the project and then makes sure the whole movie happens. That's why at the Academy Awards, when a movie wins Best Picture, the person who goes up to accept it is the producer. The producer gets that. But. Um, but for this, yeah, that, that's great. Whoever Kevin Feige is going to work with, as long as he knows he can trust them, they can hold that ship together. Sounds good to me. All right. Thanks a lot for that, Jay Master. Appreciate that, man. All right. What's next? From Chris Martin with Chris spelled correctly. Good for you, Chris Martin. <laughs> John, you're not, uh, not going to believe this, but I'm writing to you currently in a 110 minute wait line at Rise of the Resistance in Orlando. Wow. I'm with my brother and this is our first time on the ride. Cheers. Okay. Listen, I got to tell you as much as I don't like the Rise of Skywalker. Rise of the Resistance ride at Disney, even though I no longer go to Disneyland. Um, the Rise of the Resistance ride at Disney is hella fun. It's a great attraction. It's really, really good. And one of the very few things that I would say, that's worth two hours in line for. It, it, I mean, I, I wouldn't do it, but I mean, if I hadn't done it yet, maybe I would. It is worth every minute of the wait. And I think you're going to have a really good time on it, man. I, again, I don't go to Disneyland anymore. But that's something that I really miss about going to Disneyland is Rise of the Resistance. I've never gotten on that ride because of those 110-minute waits where <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, that's not how I'm spending my day. I mean, and there's a reason why the wait line is so big. It's It yeah. really is a I fantastic can, I can attraction. go eat so much Dole Whip in that time. Yeah, you could. Man. <laughs> You could ride. You could ride the, the best ride at Disneyland, the Indiana Jones ride, like I four times. Right. It's my favorite ride there. All right, what's next? From Ryder, did you see Feige and Disney Plus charging, uh, changing their show format after some criticism? To, or do you think it doesn't bother them? Make episodes longer and still keep six. Okay, look, uh, I'm going to say two different things that sound contradictory, but it's actually very consistent. 
This six-episode bullshit's got to stop. It does not work, okay? It either feels like it's an overly drawn-out movie or an insufferably shortened, rushed, incoherent kind of series. It, it just... <laughs> That's eight, what it is most of the time. Yeah, eight, <laughs> nine, or ten episodes. You're going to make a TV, make a TV. That being said, as I say all that, that is us as fans talking. I'm a fan, just talking my thoughts out like this. Kevin Feige should pay no fucking attention to what I say. Kevin Feige is Kevin Feige for a reason. And I ain't for a reason. Kevin Feige, in the words of Yoda, his own counsel should he keep. And I think he will. Now listen, Kevin Feige, like any good leader, will also recognize if there's larger trends and things that start happening. If he starts recognizing, hey, we're suffering a little bit in our quality from blah, 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 and he reevaluates, maybe then listen to some suggestions coming from other people. But for the most part, Kevin Feige should listen to one person, Kevin Feige, and, and then take everything else into consideration, but ultimately make his own decision. So, yeah. All right. What's next? From Jonathan Stewart. When do you think it makes the most sense to bring Deadpool into the MCU? Last year, two years ago, three years ago, when, whenever they want this character, I'll tell you what, I still, that, it, it, there have not been many purely euphoric experiences in the movie theater I have had as I did that first Deadpool movie. Like we knew it was probably going to be good, right? We saw the trailers, the marketing campaign for that first Deadpool movie, still the stuff of legends, top three, four or five greatest marketing campaigns in history for any movie. It was so creative, so innovative, all that kind of stuff. So we suspected we we're going to see some fun stuff. I was not prepared for how purely joyous that movie is. MCU needs a little bit of Deadpool in right now. How they're going to make that fit with uh, Deadpool brings the filthy, Rob. So I'm not quite sure they can make it fit. So I just say bring this damn guy in as soon as you can. I don't know. How do you see it? Do you it? think they can bring Deadpool in before the X-Men? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think they could. I think they will. Like, listen, we know they have been hard at work on the Deadpool movie for a while now. Like, we heard maybe about a, six months ago that they were... There were regular weekly meetings happening at Disney, getting this thing together. I don't know if they're that far ahead with X-Men. So, yeah, I think we're going to see Deadpool before X-Men. Mm -hmm. And I think it's probably a good thing. I'll probably think it'll help bring X-Men in. As yeah, that's back. probably true. All right. What's next? From Angela sending in a $200 super chat. Oh, my goodness. And Angela is one, of our, is one of our channel members as well. Angela, oh, thank you so much. She was you. just, we actually did a town hall meeting yesterday for our channel members a live stream and angela was there and angela thank you so much for supporting us on that level as you That's always amazing. have so thank you so much that is really incredible thank well, she you she has angela. a great name oh and by the way oh angela dash keep 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 your eye in the live chat angela was just telling me she was just at something she was telling me yesterday in the uh in the town hall that she was just at something that I was like, oh my gosh i'm kind of jealous i can't remember what it was angela where were you where were you I angela anyway let me get to angela's question all right, I was at the movies with my grandson, six years old, at Sonic 2 for the second time. Yes. He loves going to movies, and I love to share my love of movies with him. Nice. My first experience was Star Trek The Motion Picture with my grandfather. What movie experience do you remember most as a child? Well, first of all, Angela was telling me that she went to the Arizona UFC 275 the other night. And I'm like, oh, you were at that fight? So, yes, You're that's right. That's what I was super. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty Wait, awesome. can I just point out to Angela... That next week, Fathom Events is showing the director's cut of Star Trek The Motion Picture in the theater. Right. 
and she could take her grandson. I know he's six. I know he's six. But to see Star Trek, the motion picture with her own grandson in the movie theater, the giant restoration, the brand new 4K restoration. (laughs) Or if you want him to have a better Star Trek experience, show him Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Anyway, that being said, woo, them's fighting words. Hey, man, I'm just saying that's on TV. That's Star true. Trek The Motion Picture, the brand new restoration in the theater. They could carry on a family tradition. There you go. One grandfather passes down to a granddaughter that then passes down to her grandson. This is epic. This is saga stuff. I like syphilis. Anyway. Bag of Werther's original, so I feel like I have a grandpa with me. There you go. I didn't go. mean to interrupt. I'm sorry. <laughs> it got me Werther's. Um, look, everybody knows mine. My early, not just earliest movie going, my earliest childhood memory is my mom showing me Star Wars. That's my earliest childhood memory. I don't have another memory for years after that, but that is my childhood thing. The the other one is the first time my friend and I were allowed to go to the movies without a parent. And we went into the movies and we went to go see Kenny Rogers six pack. So (laughs) that was completely unmemorable movie. What about you? You Got a childhood memory? I do with my grandfather. Since we're talking grandfathers in 1979, nobody would take me to see alien because it was rated R. Yes. And my sister and I, this is terrible. My sister and I, my grandfather is a very stoic man. I'd never seen a movie with my grandfather ever. And my grandmother had passed away. And he was dating his childhood sweetheart who later became my grandmother. But she was gone. And so we convinced my grandfather to come see Alien with us. <laughs> we went to the UA150 theater and on Six and Blanchard. And I, John, I was terrified i was absolutely terrified i was and my grandfather was very stoic he never said a bad word i never heard him swear he was like the kindest man and when that movie when the chest burster came out i was trying i was sitting there i was absolutely terrified he's sitting right next to me but i could not let him know (laughs) because because yeah he he would he would just be like and he's watching this movie and and it was it was when it was over i mean i'd gone through this ordeal i'm like oh and I just turned to him and I said, what did you, what, 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 what did you think of that movie? And he says, it was very interesting. And that's all he said. Yes, speak up. Oh, well, <laughs> I'm having it. But there you go. That was, that's my story. Aww. All right. What's next? From Orange Hand. Well, I want the Star Wars universe to expand. I think there still needs to be enough familiar Star Wars elements to justify saying this is a Star Wars movie. But Star Wars is, is an environment. Star Wars isn't Luke Skywalker. Star Wars isn't Darth Vader. Star Wars isn't a lightsaber. You know, Star Wars is blue milk. Is is not is <laughs> not blue milk. Um. So, but but it does need to feel like a Star Wars universe. Sure, you can have the Empire as the background of the story that's being told. You can. It doesn't mean it has to be about the Empire. It's just it can be the background. It it can be. I mean, so yeah, you still wanted to feel like a Star Wars movie. That doesn't mean you have to have a Jedi running around with a lightsaber to do it. I think, and I think Star Wars, um, what was the animated? Visions. Visions. Mm -hmm. I think Visions proves that. Yeah. Yeah. Like Visions proves that. There's lots of little ways to make it feel like, oh yeah, this is Star Wars without it being repetitive of things we've already done. All right, what's next? From Stubble McShave, I got more interested in Dune, the Sisterhood series after learning that uh, Johan Rennick, director of Chernobyl, is set to direct the first two episodes. Because it's the it's the first it's the pilot or premiere episode director that really sets the tone for an entire series. 
I have not heard of any movement on this sisterhood series. Have you? Is this thing no? I mean, this is like the first time. And uh, what a what a great choice for a director. Oh, that's inspired. Because man, can you imagine? It needs that. It, it needs to have that import. You know, you have to feel because the Benny Gesserit sisterhood is fascinating. You know, they're the ones that are manipulating the galaxy. They're trying to create the Quisak Sarak, the perfect being, and all that. And they share so, one pair of jeans. <laughs> so the sisterhood. <laughs> The Sisterhood of the I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry dance. that I derailed that. No, it's okay. <laughs> By the I, way, was Blake Lively in that? Yes. Oh, yeah. was Blake Lively in that? That's right. Okay. Sorry, now we've gone full circle. Anyway, yes. Sounds <laughs> great. Bob. All right. What's next? Okay. From That's Bob, what you're here for. Bobby Jackson. Fandom will be excited, but only if Kathleen Kennedy doesn't cancel the Feige project during production. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, turns out me and Kevin just weren't on the same page. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what we need is... Again, that has been the big fault with with Kathleen Kennedy is that she's never on the same page with her directors and writers before she actually announces to the world that these directors and writers are doing something only a few months later or a couple of years later go, huh, we're not actually wanting the same thing. You're gone. I, I mean, obviously, thankfully, that didn't happen with Favreau, that she clearly had a good click with Favreau, uh, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, here's uh, here's hoping that they announce it. It actually happens. All right. What's next? From President Loki. Hello, I got a free trial of Apple TV, so I started watching Severance. After one episode, I was hooked. My question is, if you guys are excited for Alex Garland's new thriller, Men, it comes out May 20th. I am a fan of Alex Garland. Mm. I have no interest in this movie. I remember the, the first trailer was one of the worst I've ever seen. I'm like, I have no idea what's going on in that movie, like at all. Just, oh, look, there's a bridge. Men, okay. Uh, I saw the second trailer, which thankfully was a much better trailer, yeah. which gave you a little bit more of the context. But man, I really like him as a filmmaker. I have zero interest in this movie. I don't know. What about you? Uh, have you read any of the reviews? No, I've not. They basically say the same thing you just said. They're like, all this interesting stuff happens. No idea what it's about. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I look, I, I love him as a filmmaker. I love him as a writer. And I'll watch his ambiguous horror film that means something about trauma and the past and whatever, but it does look like it looks like your your first initial right. impression, impression apparently is correct. Huh? But I'll still watch it. This Chris? Well, I mean, it's horror. My friend Megan is like a very very intense horror connoisseur, and so usually I have her watch things first and tell me if I'll be okay. <laughs> and most of the time, she'll be like, "No, baby, you won't." How come she's like this? She should make you watch everything and just pretend like she didn't. Because she's a really good friend. My biggest regret of CinemaCon was that we didn't make you come and watch Black Phone with us. I mean, as I it turns out, you really should have come with us. I probably should have gone. But I mean, if Aaron was that shook up from it, oh, I yeah. would have been sobbing. Yeah, that's why I wanted you there. No, I wanted to see so that. <laughs> I want to see that so bad. All right. R real What's quick, next? John, can you comment on this? Uh, Al Renshaw, apparently we skipped a another one of his questions. He just said Brady doesn't need to come back and play after that Fox deal. Well, Bra though, let's let's be clear. Brady, number one, Brady has all the money in the world. Yes, he does. Number two, his wife is three times as rich as he is. Yes, he does. Brady doesn't have to come back and play football at all. Listen, the Fox deal, pocket change. It's pocket change to, to Tom that, Brady. That's a lot of life-size Yodas in his That's house. a lot of life-size Yodas. <laughs> a quarter of a billion dollars or something. Uh, and I certainly did not see Al Renshaw's thing in there. So hey, anyway. he's got uh, kids though, man. Kids gotta eat. Yeah, gotta set up those college they've got funds. all the money in the world. <laughs> they have all the money. All right, what's next? From Love Day, uh, Daggerborn. Favorite British TV show. Mine is Midsommar Murders. Best intro song. I don't watch British TV. I mean, there was the... Um, uh, the one with the Game of Thrones uh, guy. 
who is the age of the secret agent um oh the bodyguard the bodyguard oh, oh yeah, that, yeah that was really good uh, i mean honestly look when i think of british tv i think of faulty towers yeah i mean, well, I, <laughs> I, mean I, I think of, of, of ufo and space 1999 jerry anderson stuff thunderbirds you know the prisoner is probably my favorite british tv show of is all time. killing eve considered a british show i would think so i, I know would, it's a bbc america show it, but I, is it i think okay so be. i love killing eve yeah all right i love british shows doctor who Wallander, um, Broadchurch. Well, I like Broadchurch. Oh, a Broadchurch great deal. was so good. Still. When they tried to Americanize it, it was so bad. And one of my favorite British shows is uh, what well, was called Spooks in Britain, but it was called MI5 over here. <gasps> yeah, that show is. Aw- and they made a movie. They mm-hmm. made a movie with Jon Snow with um, uh, with Kit Harington. Mm-hmm. They actually did a feature film after the ten episodes, ten ten seasons of the show. Yeah. A, a film for television? No, a theatrically released what was movie. It, called? it was called MI5 here. I don't I don't even remember that coming it, out. It 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 was it was actually pretty good, but the series was kind of like it was it's about MI5, you know, the domestic uh not MI not the CIA but the FBI yeah, their version. Mm-hmm. And what was so great about it was they they had a lot of turnover in the principal cast cuz they would kill anyone in that show. And you never knew it and it was it's awesome. All right, what's next? From Dr. Bright, AMC really needs to update their snack menu. I saw Multiverse of Madness yesterday and didn't even get anything. It's so bland. I think they'd be good if they wanted to increase that re- revenue. Um, I don't know. I, 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 first of all, their, their soda machines are great. Uh, I think their popcorn is quite good. I, their gourmet popcorn is actually really quite good. I do like their gourmet popcorn. Um, their soda machines are magical. They, yeah, they have fantastic soda machines, and <laughs> I don't know how they work. I, I mean, the um, Anne likes their their chicken strips and stuff like. I mean, I, I don't know. I I don't need a movie theater concession stand to be a full menu, you know, restaurant. I mean, so they'd have all the. I don't know. I, I I'm like I will say this though. In Canada, everything's better in Canada. But in Canada, with as frustrated as I am with Cineplex. Uh, the theater chain in Canada, like you go into a Cineplex Silver City and it's like they'll have a Burger King here. They'll have like two or three kind of named places in there. And then you can get at the concession stand poutine. And it is legit good poutine. And yeah, I mean, if any movie theater wants to make a million dollars, just start selling poutine, man. Good Canadian poutine. Dude, I, I was in Montreal 10 that. years ago, and I'd never had poutine, and that's about all I ate when I was there. Yeah, it was it's totally bad for you. So oh, bad for was, you. And but all the different so kinds. Good. Yeah. Oh. All right, what's next? From Fredo. Hey, guys, y'all are awesome. Thank you, Fredo. man. Appreciate that very much, Fredo. All right, what's next? From Matt Sanders, sending in a $20. Thank you, Matt. That's very generous of you, man. Hey, John and crew. WB just recently dropped a clip of Elvis. And I got to say, if that really is all Butler singing, he sounded pretty great. I know Elvis's voice, too. He was pretty spot on. Thanks, crew. Yeah, one of the neat things, too, is is that when you hear it, you you know, that's not Elvis. Wow, is it good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and when they brought this kid, Austin Butler, out on stage at CinemaCon, it's like... Like, are you a method actor or are you just really a lot like Elvis? Because like, he's just kind of, I, I'm telling you, I'm telling you what, I think this could be the movie of the year. Yeah. And, and he sang all the young Elvis stuff. Yes. Yes. yes, yes Which, yes. but yeah, dude, he's, you could see how charismatic he was. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he was just like, and it's, it's more than, than making his voice sound the same. When you see him on screen as Elvis, you think that's Elvis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's everything from the movements, the gestures, the inflections, like all that kind of stuff is just 
somehow, some way, he channeled Elvis in a way that uh, since Jamie Foxx did Ray Charles, I, like I haven't seen it that well done. All right. Thank you so much for that, man. Appreciate that. And I think we're all going to love it. All right. What's next? From Film Code Podcast, had the best shower of my life with Manscaped. Nice. Enjoying Liquid IV and eating good with HelloFresh. See what you could have, you cheap sons of bitches. <laughs> I'm, yeah, that's right. Zevia, what are you doing? Get on board. No, listen, I, I, can, I can honestly say I really enjoy using all the stuff of our sponsors, particularly like Manscaped. Was great. I remember I came into the studio the first day after I got my my Manscaped package. I came in the studio. I was like, "Oh my god!" I used uh, the uh, body wash for the first time, and it's like, "Oh my god!" This Manscaped body wash is so freaking good. It's just I fell in love with it. By the way, I have to say, since you brought up Zevia, I did not know this. Our favorite uh, barber in Cincinnati told me on my own show that Zevia has two new limited edition flavors. Yeah, which we are not going to promote here. Oh. Which we are not going to promote here. Zevia, sponsor this show, you cheap, insufferably cheap sons of bitches. All right, what's next? I'll talk with you about that off yes, camera. Yes, so tell me about it later. <laughs> Dakota Walker, Waldron looks like Peter Dinklage and uh, Cavill's love child. Uh, a little bit, yes. And listen, wow. it is a supreme <laughs> compliment. If somebody says to you, you look like you got some Henry some Cavill Dinklage genetics and- in you, <laughs> that ain't a bad thing. That's a good thing. I, fact, I would am, like I, am, I, am I Mission Impossible Fallout mustache? Yes, that's exactly what it looked like. All right, what's next? From Al Renshaw, since Kristen... Oh, we read this one already. Peter Cunnington, John, are you going to Star Wars Celebration? Yes, I'm going to be going for the Saturday. The Saturday only, but I will be there for the Saturday. All right, what's next? From Tim. Oh, from Ben Rayner, excuse me. Birth of Jedi and Sith plus Star Wars Kevin Feige movie? I would like that. Also, what did you think of Wally's Wonderland? Like that Cage movie? I've Oh, that one. Yeah, we talked about that one before. Um, as far as... I'll tell you what, I don't need an origin story for the Sith and the mm-hmm. Jedi. I do not need it at all. I and and I and I don't want Star Wars like the whole thing about, well, let's go back and tell the origins of Darth Vader. Well, that was a bad idea. Um, no, I don't need the origins of it. I just I would love a good old Jedi versus Sith movie. That sounds great to me, but I don't need an origins film. We don't need to demystify everything. Like the way there's like, well, we got the force. Well, we better explain it. Why there's many chlorians and you get the count in your blood and we like fuck like you, you, you that's the quickest way to demystify and ruin something is by saying now we got something that's supposed to be mythical and legendary you don't need to explain the origins of it every freaking time i just love that it's like the same way of checking your blood sugar yeah just oh. like all right give my finger a little prick oh i got the and force then, then, oh look i can use the force it's so dumb anyway sorry all right what's next <laughs> From Tim, how about these playoffs? Every series except Colorado Nashville is at a 3-2 right now. I'll tell you what, again, like I am amazed. Ann and I were watching some of the play, obviously the Leafs game and everything too, but even last night I was watching a bit of the Flames game. It's like nothing beats NHL playoffs. (laughs) Nothing beats NHL playoffs. The speed, the power, the intensity of it. It's at the frantic pace of it. So good. Yeah, so good. All right, what's next? From Magnum, have you seen the Lady Gaga music video for Top Gun 2? The song and video are amazing. Gave me chills. An old school style video with yep. clips from the movie. I've not seen it. I do know, though, we we found out um, the day was starting that Lady Gaga was supposed to make a surprise appearance at CinemaCon and come out on stage and sing the song, much like they did at CinemaCon a couple of years ago when, what's her name from Dreamgirls? Uh, Jennifer Hudson. J- Jennifer Hudson surprised the audience, came out on stage and sang the song uh, from Cats. 
which right. of course that movie memory. didn't work out. So memory, she's saying memory. <clears throat> and then at the last second, she couldn't make it. So that was too bad. But I've not seen the video, have you? Yes, and it's good. The The Lady Gaga stuff's in black and white. And she's lying all over Tom Cruise's Mustang, P-51 Mustang. I was say Tom Cruise's Mustang. mustache. <laughs> Me too. I did too. I was like, what? No. It's like great He's lying all over Tom Cruise's it, mustache. No, it, it's very old school. It's a very cool video. And that was Tom Cruise's uh, P-51 Mustang that was actually, it's in the movie and it's in the video. Okay. I will have to check it out. Very different Tom video from what I had in my head there. Someone doesn't right. make up their username now. Wow. All right. What's next? From jokes that go over John's head. Had Peel not give it, had given the exposition dump at the end of Us and went straight to the Lupita versus Lupita fight, would you have enjoyed that movie a little more? No, the, the movie, it just... Look, especially coming off of Get Out, which was so well thought out. And yeah. like as the story progresses, like it brings you along in the story. There are so many massive logic problems and I, i'm talking like universal scope logic problems in this movie like oh so we're just so th there's a door that leads you to an underground where literally there's a duplicate of every single person in the population yeah. they've been hanging out down there where do they get their electric service from and water and food and, and like how did nobody know this was there and like i just the the the, con the conceit of the movie is so ridiculous but executed so well that they're well, still watchable. But I just thought it was a big letdown compared to Get Out. I totally agree with you. I was with that movie. It was so chilling and crazy and weird. Until they started to try to explain it. Uh, yeah, and then I'm like, uh, have them come from hell or an alternate universe. I would have bought into that. But what the the uh, the answer, I'm like, just what? What? And it bothered me because so much of that movie was so good. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, too. It made me fall in love with I've Got Five on it again. And I like I had that song play in my car for like Forever. months. Like after that. <laughs> and Lupita Nyongo is still one of the most beautiful women on the Oh, planet. still absolutely amazing in that movie. She's so good in that movie. All right. What's next? From Nerd Jen. Hey guys, what are your thoughts on the possibility of Hercules being in Thor? Don't care. It's irrelevant. Doesn't mean anything. If he's there, he's there. If he's not, he's not. It's not gonna have any impact on anything yeah. whatsoever. So I don't really care. What about you? I mean it'd be cool because Hercules has been an Avenger, but in the comics, yeah, yeah, in the comics, I mean, it could bring him in. It'd be cool. But I, again, like you said, I don't, I'm not anticipating that. Yeah. I, I like, I honestly, I do, we don't know, but I think that Olympus stuff that we saw with, um, Zeus and everything, I think that's going to be five minutes or less. I think it's going to be right at the beginning of the film. Yeah. It's going to be the opening of the film. Some great stuff's going on in Olympus and Gore, the God, which is going to show up and slaughter everybody. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like the way they start Infinity War with Thanos beating the shit out of the Hulk to set up just how badass this villain yep, is. I completely agree. And so I think it'll kind of be irrelevant uh, whether they say Hercules is there or not. Mm -hmm. All right, what's next? From Blake62, God bless Tom Cruise for his maximum effort to give us these movies. I can't believe I have to wait two more weeks to see this movie. The fact that he flies his own plane <laughs> in this thing. I mean, not in every shot, not every maneuver we see is that Tom Cruise piloting the, the jet, but... It's just what this guy, his commitment to the authenticity feel of his movies is second to none. Second to none. Got to admire that. And he put the that. cast through his own. He helped design his own flight program to take them through. Yep. Because the actors are all in those planes. Yep. And they were even, they had to learn cinematography so they knew where the where the sun was and how to adjust the camera. And, and even they were doing their own makeup and stuff in the planes. I mean, they had to... 
it's a pretty amazing feat of of, of movie making. All right. Thing. What's next? From Dr. J, sending in a $28 super chat. Wow, cat. thank you, Dr. J. Appreciate that, man. You can either die a physical media connoisseur, or you live long enough to see yourself become Hoodbox. Hoodbox. Of course, that's you would have had to have seen yesterday's show and raise raise exposition on the red box feature to understand the reference to Hoodbox, which is probably where Anne got Sonic the Hedgehog from. But but yeah, good callback on that man. Well well said, Doctor J. Well said. All right, what's next? From Ahmed, sending in a $20 super chat. Thank you, Ahmed. Hi, all. I think that Marvel and Feige should should and will go with unknowns for the Fantastic Four. We have to remember that Hemsworth was unknown at the time. Bozeman was not the most popular choice. Um, honestly, it's irrelevant. Like, th- th- this idea that getting an, a known actor or an unknown actor makes any difference is, is irrelevant. You get the actor that you think would be best for the role. Yes. Period. End of sentence. They didn't get... Robert Downey Jr., because he was known. John Favreau really fought for him to be in it because he thought he was the right guy to play it. They gave Chris Hemsworth the role, not because he wasn't well-known, but because they thought he was the right guy to play it. And at the end of the day, if you're... My belief has become that if your guiding North Star is anything other than who is the right person to play the role... And you're relying on other factors like, no, it should be an unknown actor or should be. No, it's got to be a star. Then I think you've lost before the game's even begun Uh, because, yeah, yeah, nobody knew who Chris Hemsworth was. Okay, great. Chadwick Boseman was a superstar. I mean, maybe not the most famous guy in the world. But he had. There was a reason we freaked the hell out when they announced that he was going to be in that movie. Get on up was incredible. Get on up is like one of the. I still think his greatest performance that that he ever did. Um, Like so. So there's that. Robert Downey Jr. was obviously Robert Downey Jr. Chris Evans was already Chris Evans. You know. So it it doesn't really matter. Just cast the best person. Rob is somebody who's had to do casting and things like that. How big of a thought of your thought process? I think honestly, if you're a smaller indie film. It'd be great if you can get a big name because that'll attract attention. But yeah. other than that, what do you think? I mean, look if if you if if you're if the money is not contingent on casting, and distribution isn't contingent on casting, you always want to find the best, but the best actor. And secretly, I think every filmmaker wants to work with a breakthrough actor that they can introduce. You know, that they can say, "Look at this person. I've discovered it." There's nothing better than that. But, right. you know, the reality is you need somebody on a poster that people are going to go and see. But that isn't necessarily the case. I mean, with with one of the genius things, I mean, yes, we knew Robert Downey Jr. had a big career behind him, but he also had a lot of problems. He was yes. tr- deeply troubled. He couldn't get an insurance bond. Favreau had to fight to get him that had role. Had to fight. And you know what? I mean, that was that was a director going, I want that actor. And if anything, he was the anti-star. And so... Um, and look what you got with it. Yep. All right. What's next? From Hans. Hey guys, I recently noticed that the new Firestarter is day and date streaming on Peacock. Didn't they learn anything from last year? Yeah, we talked about that on the show the other day. It it just instantly made me go, oh, well, I'm not interested in it. They clearly don't believe in this movie and whatever. So, okay. See you later. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I don't understand what they were thinking. Um, either just promote it as a Peacock exclusive and put it on Peacock or give it a theatrical run so it can have a big entry on a Peacock 
in two and a half months. Totally agree. I just, I don't understand what they're yeah. thinking at this level. I really don't. All right, what's next? From Armchair Fandom, after they retcon Obi-Wan, less fans will care about a movie announcement. I don't understand what that means. Are they retconning Obi-Wan? Oh, I mean, look, there is a little bit of retconning going on because, you know, the, the implied message of Star Wars, as I finally got Harloff to admit to, the implied message of Star Wars was that they didn't meet again until the events of Star Wars, right? But there was room for, for semantics in there, and they changed around. I've just come to accept that. If that's the retcon you're talking about, it's not that big of a deal. I mean, even I have come around to just accept it. Um, no one's, but I don't understand whether like the retcon people aren't going to care about the movies anymore. People are always going to care about Star Wars movies. Yeah, they're always going to care. It's like saying, well, after WandaVision, people aren't going to care about Marvel movies anymore, and then Spider Man comes out and Shang Chi, and I, I, yeah. So I don't know. I, I I'm not really clear what it is. Your point, your point is unfortunately. All right, what's next? From uh, Marla Jehovah. Uh, part one. By the way, send in like $20. Yeah. Thank you very yeah. much. So, Rail, do part two. John is going to shake his head because I'm about to start Star Trek and agree with Rob. <laughs> it still baffles me how this is supposed to be a set uh, be set a decade before the original show, yet their technology, mannerisms, and ship is so advanced. Part okay. two. There is no... The, uh, no, 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 I have it. The show breaks canon and common sense. For your information, Rob goes in detail on observation keep up the great work guys yeah except ah. except for the fact is this when the original star trek came out it came out in the context of the 1960s in the united states and it fit into the world in which it was being broadcast new sure. star trek needs to do the same and they are doing the same and they adapt and they make the show more palatable better for the modern audience who are watching stuff like that. And so like Rob, I remember once you made a criticism that they're using modern day colloquialisms in, in the show. Right. But when you go back to watch the original star Trek, they did that as well for the era of the 1960s in the United States, they did it too. Well, but they kept the language more neutral. You know, it wasn't like they wouldn't say, you but it wasn't unlike most stuff on television at the time, but you wouldn't see Uhura on the bridge. Go cool. <laughs> Why not? Uh, well, no, but they wouldn't do that. Okay. In, they would, in, but who cares if they did? See, this is, this is well, my big thing with you. Every time we talk about star Trek, you cannot have a conversation about star Trek without saying it needs to be like the way they used to do it. I've never wait. heard you talk about an episode of star Trek where you just keep your conversation to this episode of Star Trek and what you did and did not like about it without referencing, well, what Star Trek did before. Well, no, okay, I would say this. In a quasi-military <laughs> environment, there is a certain chain of command structure in any kind of military, like if you're watching Hunt for Red October or you're watching Crimson Tide, the crew talks to each other in a certain way. And, you know, there is military discipline on display. In the way that they've done modern Star Trek, you don't get a lot of that. You don't, they don't convey to you. It's a very casual environment on the bridge of the enterprise now. And I feel that that gets in the way of the believability of, of the whole show. Like, look, when you were watching Battlestar Galactica. But also in military environments, captains of ships cannot be fucking members of the crew. Well, that's, and in the original Star Trek, they did. In Star Trek, the next generation, you had you had oh, Riker carrying on romances. Yo, like you could carry, no, but you could carry, do that there, there was no, there were not inter-office romances on, on, in Star Trek. Like Riker and Troy had a romance that they did not continue when they were serving together. And they even dealt with that in certain episodes. But, there was, but you, you often saw Riker having <laughs> dates with other women in the crew well, they, and all this they, kind but, of stuff, but right? But they, they could. Commanding officers can't do that in the military. But, well, no, and, and Picard did not. But, but 
look, those those ships, the, the Enterprise D was also a five-year, 15-year, or however long generational okay, ship. I need to stop this because we're not going to have a 20-minute discussion I can't about wait until Strange World uh, actually starts using lightsabers. <laughs> well, look at that. I mean, I, you know what? They they kind of did. They kind of well, not it wasn't Strange New Worlds that did that, but Star Trek already kind of did that a little bit, which is fine. It's whatever. All right, what's next? From Edgar Allan Poe sending in some support, and then CMG two four nine one sending in support as well. So thank you so much, guys. And even though we've gone over time, that'll do it for today's installment of the John Campion Show. Thank you guys so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Special thank you to all you guys who sent in all those super chat messages. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it. And all of us involved with the show, thank you guys so much for your support. Don't forget, guys, the John Campus Show returns again tomorrow. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. Click the thumbs up button. Leave a comment down below. And we will see you guys a little bit later. We also have a mailbag coming a little bit later today. Keep your guys' eyes open for that. I want to thank the people in the room with me. We got Robert Meyer Burnett. We got Chris Carr. We got Ray Ora. Fat Checker Jonathan's back there. Been running the show. And, of course, there's me. Thanks a lot for being here, guys. My name's John Campy. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye.